Hi, do you want to go to a party with me? No, game's on. Oh, I almost forgot. I'll be right there. We like sports and we don't care who knows. From shooting hoops to the Super Bowl. We like sports and we don't care who knows. Football, football, football. Next level nerd, 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 nerd. Sportscast, 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 sportscast. Well, welcome everyone who decided to, to tune in to tonight's episode of the Next Level Nerd Sportscast. Uh, with me, as always, is my esteemed co-host, Frank Conti. And uh, while we're recording, it is the evening. We got some sports on tonight. We got the uh, the Penguins and the Philadelphia Flyers on. That's currently 2-1 Pittsburgh going into the third. They may have already gotten underway. I'm not, I don't have it on the channel, Frankie. And uh, on the other network, the NFL network, we have the Indianapolis Colts against the New York Jets. And I think it's I think it's seven seven last time I checked. But uh, well, welcome to an, another episode. And uh, like I said, glad we can squeeze another episode in this week and uh, cover what's going on in the world of sports today. Normally, my esteemed colleague Frank does the introductions, but I decided I would take it tonight. And uh, yes, I'm breathing hard because I actually ran downstairs and ran back up when when I normally really don't. Realize I'm doing the introduction, so I'm trying to get that going. But and I yeah, get to do the old slide in tonight. I was about to slide you <laughs> in there, Mike, his steam colleague Frank. What's going on? I've been saying that like three times, so I get to do the Collinsworth slide in. How's it going tonight, Mike? Chris Collinsworth here. <laughs> you sound like Joey Molinaro doing Collinsworth. <laughs> that guy's that guy's hilarious. Joey Molinaro from Bar- Barstool. He does Coward. He does Collinsworth. He does Saban. He's really talented. Oh, but um, I'm glad you got to. We we mixed it up. I actually was going to uh, suggest mixing it up in Bronson doing the intro. I hope you liked our little um, echo intro as well. I was play, <laughs> playing around with I my phone it. and uh, wanted to do something different. So Justin and Nico are probably going to totally call us nerds. But hey, it's next level nerd. So what are you going to do? But I feel uh, like no. I feel like the um, the logo should be us as Dale. As Dale and Brennan and, and Step Brothers. When he's oh man, that. you're the Photoshop guy. You got to start working on that. I, I will work your, on it. <laughs> love your draft day one. Um, <laughs> and I, what's 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 another one you did? I think you you made us something. I else did draft there. day, and I did uh, 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 Ron McClay to Don Cherry Hockey Night in Canada. Right, right. I usually always end up making me look like the the biggest goof of all of them. You always look like the smart and knowledgeable one, and I always look <laughs> myself like the goofball, which I think is cool because people if people know us as a duo, I'm always the more outgoing, nuttier one. So I think that always fits. But no, Frank, um, how have you been? How have been? It's been a week since we talked, and a lot a lot of sports has changed since the last time we talked. Oh, so much, and that's why I think a lot of uh, our listeners have said you guys got to get on weekly because just so much happens in sports, and if you wait two weeks. Um, that's been forgotten. So we've been doing a pretty good job of getting together every week here. A uh, little trying for a little bit shorter of episodes, but more more episodes yeah. volume. And uh, yeah, Bronson, we we saw the World Series wrap up. We're going to cover that. Um, of course, another slate of NFL games. That's kind of been our our mo this this uh, in season four here of the NLN Sportscast, covering week to week the NFL action. And uh, we have uh, racing heating up. Is going to be Bronson's going to talk about that. Um, and uh yeah hockey's starting to get get you know about a month in now uh so we're gonna be we had our first uh, big time trade today and um, we'll get into that a little bit later yeah a little tease there we're not gonna say who it was and uh so yeah a couple couple topics on the board bronson and uh i'm excited to talk about the steelers well, it was a big game big game they had against the browns and then they're coming up they're gonna be on monday night football on the national stage first monday month. night football <laughs> dun, 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 dun. 
It's the Bears. That'll be a fun one to preview and uh, get us all ready for for that Monday night action. But uh, absolutely. But but let's uh, let me do. I can do the introduction before we get into the big football madness, Frank. The MLB season did end the other night. Um, Houston tried to make a go, but they uh, they were able to get two wins out of this World Series, Frank. And a lot of people had Houston kind of as the favorite to win. Uh, but the I, I Atlanta did. Braves, I, I picked them. You did, and I picked the Braves. I think purely just because of my heart wanted it to happen. Yeah. But I was rooting but, for the Braves. Uh, yeah, uh, but the uh, the fairy tale uh, is complete. The, the slipper does fit. Uh, the Atlanta Braves, you know, making their deals at the deadline after losing uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. for the year. Uh, find the magic you know, guys like Rosario and uh, and Jorge Soler and some other guys. Obviously, Freeman had a nice uh, home run the other night and um, took it six games, Frank, and um, they could not clinch at home. So they had to win the, the championship at, at Minute Maid Park. But the Atlanta Braves do win the World Series. Um, Jorge Soler was the MVP of the World Series. And, um, uh, you know, I was texting you that that, too, because I, I just couldn't contain my happiness to watch it. And for me, Frank, um, I was I actually grew up more of an Astros fan than a Braves fan with the Killer Bees, and I really thought I had an attachment to the 2017 team. But frankly, as you said, once all the the, the dirtiness uh, and and all the, the the bad stuff started coming about the uh, the cheating allegations and everything like that, kind of like you, I kind of just uh, disassociated myself with the Astros from then on out. My only love of them now is just you know the early 2000s with the Killer Bees and and Oswalt and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but I've always loved the Braves. I mean, uh, just the the old the old era Braves, and then uh, I've always been a Freeman guy since he's come into the league. I thought he's a good, he's, he's always been a good dude, so he he's a guy that's very easy to cheer for. But uh, Frank, this is the part. This is the reason why I inter- introduced the entire podcast to, to begin with to give you to give the vocal cords a little bit of a rest for you, because I'm going to hand it off to the to our residential baseball Dalai Lama and Frank. Uh, uh, kind of give us the breakdown of everything, uh, game by game, what you saw, what you liked, what you didn't like, and uh, and just really who uh, who impressed you in this series, and uh, really just chronicle. You have the last previous episodes of how the Braves got here, uh, but maybe uh, just to see uh, just see pure joy in uh, some of the the players and the coaches' face. I know before we recorded, I mentioned uh, Ron Washington, so I'm sure you'll elaborate more on that. And uh, just uh, what a, what an amazing World Series, Frank. And uh, it seems to be that. Uh, a lot of fans are really on board with this, and maybe this is something that baseball needs to kind of get get itself back in the ball game in one of the top echelon sports in America. Well, thanks, Bronson. Well said. I mean, I do agree. It was a very entertaining World Series. Um, I'm I'm guessing it did a pretty good rating on TV. Um, of course, it was great to see fans back in the stands and sell out crowds at both parks. Um, it came down to the bullpens. Um, Atlanta's bullpens is is what got them there. And uh, it continued to to shine in the World Series. Um, kind of, and Joe Buck said this, and I was saying it too. It it really reminded you of the 2015 Royals, um, where it was just get the fifth inning and then turn it over to the pen. Back then, they had Kelvin Herrera, and Wade Davis, and Greg Holland, um, a couple other guys in there. But uh, this 2021 Braves edition. They really set it up. Brian Snicker really managed well. Um, I thought Dusty Baker managed well also. I don't think there was a clear edge there. But um, Brian Snicker, just knowing that his his horses in the bullpen um, where he would go Jackson, uh, Minter, Matzik, and Smith, 
Um, I think they had something uh, along the lines of 50 to 60 innings and only about 10, less than 10 runs the entire playoffs. Um, Will Smith was 11 of 11 and save chances. Um, Matzik was the eighth inning guy um, that was just, you know, blowing people away. And he was given a multiple inning. So he'd come into the seventh, you know, get the final out, pitch the entire eighth. Um, you, you don't know how long it could have sustained it, but, you know, you it's kind of a race. You just got to win 11 games uh, to win the commissioner's trophy and become world champions. And uh, and a, kind of a, a, a sprint, and not a marathon like the regular season is. Um, they, they leaned heavily on their pen and didn't really see the crack start coming. Uh, Matzik, a guy who I thought could have been co-NLCS MVP because um, he was great in that series against the Dodgers was a guy that they said was an independent ball just a few years ago. He was a former first round pick, kind of lost it, um, went to independent ball. Braves gave him a shot and he found it again. And testament to their development uh, program, which Brian Snicker came from. He's a lifer, a brave lifer, been there 40 years, um, you know, was in their scouting, was in their player development and their minor league system as a coach. Um, and then took over for Bobby Cox. It was a perfect choice and really big fan of his and what he's been, what he's doing there, getting the Braves there. Um, there's, I think their fourth title and second in Atlanta. Um, so congrats to them in that city. And, uh, like I said, the bullpen was key and also the Braves lineup. I mean, they, they went toe to toe with the Astros lineup. I, I said how much that their infields really matched up well with like, with the you know the 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 two infields where you 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 put Bregman, Correa, Altuve, and Gurriel against Riley, Swanson, Albies, and Freeman, like where's the real edge there? I mean that's that's eight stud all stars and future Hall of Famers in that group, and um, at the end of the day, the Braves just had the edge. You, you thought the the Astros would have the lineup edge, but the Braves got to use a DH, which I feel always benefits the National League team because it's pretty much giving them an extra bat. Um, when the American League team is used to it, uh, the National League team gets to, you know, have their regular offense plus an extra bat. And uh, boy, right off the bat, Jorge Soler made a difference in game one with a leadoff homer. That started his MVP um, kind of bid and ended up with three homers in the series in that DH spot, Bronson. So uh, you can point to that as, I mean, if the MVP was from the DH spot, what an advantage that is for the National League to be able to to get that position at let Jock Peterson stay in the lineup in right field. Um, Snicker used his bench really well. He brought in Heredia for defense, bumped Duvall from center to right. Uh, he did that anytime he had a lead late. Um, so just a, a one to 26, the Braves just played cohesively better than the Astros. Um, you, know, you saw the Astros not use a lot of guys. Jose Siri got in some late games, but, uh, and did a little bit. Marwin Gonzalez came up with a big hit to kind of get the series back to Houston, um, but you could see contributions from one to 26 with the Braves and they just seemed to, you know, I know it's a, it's a cliche, but they seem to want it more. Um, you know, I know the Astros were playing their hearts out too, but the Braves just, it just kind of seemed like it was their destiny. It was Freddie Freeman's time. He had been there through the ups and the downs early on in his career in the playoffs, then kind of last four or five years, a mini retool rebuild there missing the playoffs. And he had to kind of sit through and, now, now to the top of the mountain, I, all the interviews with the guys, just a lot of humble, you know, Max Freed was humble and Freddie Freeman just 
in the post game interviews, you could tell what a relief it was to to finally get to the get a championship back to Atlanta. It's a you know it's a it's a sports town, and they haven't had any champions brought in since those '95 Braves. Uh, so last time I they had no idea, so. Dansby Swanson was from Atlanta. Yeah, and that interview, and I almost texted you. He really is a big resemblance to our our guy we're a big fan of, Stephen Johns. During that interview, I was like, man, he looks like Johnsy. And uh, when they were interviewing <laughs> him on Fox, and yeah, he was born and raised in Atlanta. He's like an Atlanta kid. He did go to a Vanderbilt, which is in Nashville. Um, didn't stay home and go to Georgia Tech, but uh, Vanderbilt's the top baseball school in the country. So if they're calling you, you go there. Um, but uh, I think Georgia Tech was where Buster Posey went. It's not a too bad of a school in its own right. Yeah. But, um, but no, uh, yeah, Swanson. And then he was drafted number one overall by the Diamondbacks. And uh, the Braves, you know, wanted them so bad, they they went out and acquired him. They traded their top pitching prospect, Shelby Miller, for him. And that's really worked out for the Braves because Shelby Miller's uh, never, never panned out. He's a journeyman. He's actually finished a 2021 season in Pittsburgh. A lot of people don't know this, but the Pirates <laughs> yeah. signed him. He, they claimed him off waivers, and he he actually was on the twenty six man roster in September with the Pirates and the. <laughs> That's kind of how you know when your career is catching. <laughs> but Bronson, I mean, six games. Uh, I really thought when this went back to Houston, it was going to be it would be bleak for the Braves because I said, boy, they're going to blow this three one lead because you don't want to go back to Houston, where you know obviously the home field advantage, your crowd, you get the bat last. Um, Everything, all the momentum was back with Houston. They staved off in elimination. You all know the hockey term when like a desperate team, you know, with their back against the wall is really hard to knock out. Well, I thought that the Astros, you know, with the World Series pedigree that they have um, would put up a fight. And they did. They 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 didn't let the Braves celebrate at home. They, they forced a game, a game six, kind of like the Sharks did to the Penguins back in 2016 when we all were just hoping for a big celebration in downtown Pittsburgh and it didn't happen, but um, they'll take it how they can get it. And uh, they hopped on a plane and went to Houston and took care of business. That game was never in doubt. Um, Max Freed got into a little bit of trouble in the first inning, but got out of it. And uh, from, from then on out, he shook six shutout innings and the offense uh, with once again, Jorge Soler kind of took the, Everybody could breathe when he hit that three-run homer over the train tracks, a la Albert Pujols. Absolutely crushed it. Uh, they said 442. I don't believe it. That had to be 450 plus 475 if you hit it out of the stadium. And that three-run homer, Bronson, such a big thing in baseball. It's something the Pirates could never get when they were good those three years. Like it can really break up in a game if you can hit a three-run homer, and that goes back to Earl Weaver in the days of the Baltimore Orioles. He would say he played for the three-run homer. He was a little bit ahead of his time, but um, it can change a game, and it certainly did. It gave Max Fried breathing room. Everybody in the dugout could, you know, breathe a sigh of relief. You have a lead. And uh, they just they tacked on in a two run homer by Swanson five nothing. Freeman added one late uh, with a solo homer seven nothing. And at that point, you kind of could see the the writing on the wall. The the Astros body language was uh, you know they were running out of outs down seven to nothing. And uh, Freddie Freeman actually had to cover his face with his glove in the ninth inning because he didn't want anybody to see him smiling because uh, yeah. you know it wasn't over until it's over. But they got the final out. Swanson kind of almost went to second with the force, but threw it the first, and Freeman got to catch the final out, and it was pure elation. And uh, 
Yeah, good series, Bronson. Real tight. I mean, four games to two, you figure the Braves dominated. But, you know, this one, uh, you know, a bounce here, a bounce there. Um, probably could have been a different story. Um, I think the fact that they won, they, they split. They What they did, what they had to do, they split the first two, won two out of three at home. Um, you know, they were in a good position. They they had their Freed and Anderson. They had their two best starters lined up for game six and seven. They didn't end up needing Ian Anderson in game seven. They knew they what they had in their bullpen. Houston kind of all series, Bronson. They were patching together innings. They yeah. really did. They had no starters and, you know, coming in without Lance McCullers. And so they didn't have McCullers. I do that. So, and of course, no Verlander and Garrett Cole's not there anymore. And Zach Greinke's a shell of his former self, despite still making $40 million. Um, <laughs> he pitched in two games, but only went like two and two thirds or three and a third. Like he really couldn't give them length. Framber Valdez um, has been. He's been good start, bad start, good start, bad start, all playoffs. Um, and then they were really counting on the the rookie Luis Garcia, and he's been kind of good start, bad start, and not yeah. giving and not giving him length either. So when the the Astros had to go to their pen, um, I mean, they, too, the Braves. I mean, in what's not lost in the series? Obviously, they lose Charlie Morton in Game One. So like, he was probably a guy that you know, what six Game Six or Seven, he's a guy that would probably would have been back on the hill. Uh, had he been healthy, so you know, like they lose, they lose their their top guy. Basically, he would have went in game five, and it, they yeah, might okay, have yeah. They could have won it in, in Atlanta. Yeah, that's right. But uh, no, but um, one other point on the Astros with their starting pitching, um, just them not giving enough length. Dusty Baker having to go to his pen in the third inning almost every game, um, and his bullpen was not as lights out as the as the Braves bullpen. So they were, they, they relied heavily on Yimmy Garcia and Christian Javier and uh, Brooks Raley, Phil Maytone. Um, and at the end of the day, a few of those guys, Javier got lit up, you know, some O2 pitches that he left over the middle of the plate that were hit out of the park. I mean, just mistakes like that. You can't make, you know, Oh, and two, you have to waste a couple pitches in the dirt. Um, not, not paying attention to scouting reports. I saw, you know, MLB network was doing a good job. They were showing how, um, I don't know if it, who the hitter was, uh, but uh, he was constantly like not hitting the outside pitch, the low and outside pitch. And oh, and two, you got to go low and outside. You have to know that. But he, you know, belt high over the middle, hit out of the park in, in key situations and tie games. And so that's why I said the bullpen was the key. But um, when when the Braves needed a start, they got it from Freed. They got it from Ian Anderson. They got it from Morton in Game One. Um, but another thing that was huge for the Braves, Bronson, was those those long relievers, those those middle guys. I talked about the late relievers of of Matzik, Minner, uh, Jackson, and Smith, but the Braves actually did employ a bullpen game in two of these in two of the six games. And um, it's guys- funny you said not to cut you off. It's funny you you bring that up because I was I was going to ask you a question too, but I know a lot of teams in baseball, especially during the season. Some people do employ the longer bullpens because of what was it, the dreaded third time through the lineup. They don't want a pitcher to be seen three times through. So I was going to ask you, having not really watched a whole lot of the playoffs except a, you know a few games here and there, is that something they bring into the playoffs? Or is that something that they you know you want a, a workhorse that goes six seven innings? And that's so funny you brought that up because I was actually, I was actually going to ask you that. 
Well, it's like, you know, we've talked about on this show the the new term opener. And it was guys like I, you know, I don't know if it was Joe Madden who started it or Kevin Cash. I know the Rays started it. And um that's that's what's gonna take over baseball. And I've said it on this show that I see it happening sooner than later. And especially like I mentioned, it's a it's a sprint, not a marathon in the playoffs. So you can really lean on your bullpen, um, knowing that they have six months off. Um you know, you saw the Dodgers kind of do it last year, so maybe the starting pitcher is still a thing that's around because, you know, they were throwing out Kershaw and Bueller and 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 those guys last year. But um and and when the Astros won it in seventeen, it was Morton, it was Verlander, it was it was Cole. Um, so We'll have to see. I mean, so, some teams still have that stud starting pitcher, and if you have two of them uh, in a short series, they're going to go four out of the seven games, maybe five on short rest. So the starting pitcher is still going to be big. It's it's just they're, they're really few and far between anymore, Bronson. There might be 10 good ones in each league. Um, you know, back in the day, every team had an ace, and that guy, was, you know, every team kind of had their DeGrom and uh, now it's, of course, kind of just the big market teams might have two or three. And then everybody else kind of is going this bullpen route. And the Braves, like I was about to say, the Braves like early relievers, um, Tucker Davidson, Dylan Lee, um, Chris Martin, um, guys like that were, you know, coming in in the second inning. Jesse Chavez, former Pirate, um, way back in the day, were just coming in and getting, you know, one inning be an opener and and uh and then and then sit down and then the next guy comes in and try to get it to the fifth inning maybe try to sneak two innings out of out of somebody if they have an easy inning and then just get it to those guys i mentioned minner matzik jackson and smith and uh the Braves had to do that i think in three of the six games i think they did the uh the bullpen game method and i think it's it, it could you know playing with fire but if you have the hot hand that you can ride and uh yeah, especially the travel day between games five and six helped because everybody got that day off and rested the arm. And it, guys like Matzek actually didn't pitch in game five because it was kind of a blowout for the Astros. So they got the rest there, you know, their their guys game five, then the travel day. So they were able to, you know, line them all up for game six to put it away. But um, it'll be interesting to see if the the starting pitcher um, tries to make a revival or if we're going into this bullpen game, Brian Kenny's a big guy that's, you know, he was ahead of the curve and I'm no fan of his cause he's kind of too analytical, but, um, and, and he's like, he's against the bunt, you know, he's all about the analytics of uh, that. A bunt is a stupid play. And, uh, you know, I still think if you, if you lead off with a double in the ninth inning, needing a run, you bunt him over to third for sure. Like he's just, he's just totally against the bunt, but, um, and he's against steel, stolen bases. He's all about on base percentage and getting walks instead of trying to, you know, <laughs> trying to get a hit, trying to get an RBI. Um, but uh, he says something like, you know, there's going to be 14, there's going to be 14 or 15 pitchers on roster someday. And you're just going to throw eight one night and seven the next night. And each of them is going to get one inning through their 100 miles per hour um, and then take the next night off. And kind of have like an A, an A group and a B group, you know, a Monday night, a Monday, Wednesday, Friday group, a, a Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday group. Um, maybe have one stud starter to kind of give them guys a break, but that's the way it's going to go. And that's how it's been going in the playoffs for a lot of teams lately. Nate Navaldi's been a guy that's the Red Sox just used sometimes as a starter, sometimes in the fourth inning. 
Um, they used Nick Pavetta that way this year. He might have started game four, but then in game six, he was like coming in the sixth, pitching the sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth. Or if there's a big extra inning game, you'd see Evaldi in 2018 pitch the 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th, 15th, like as a starter, kind of like a starter. So I think that's the way it's going. That's a good question, Bronson. It's, I, it's going to be interesting. This uh, looks like the Flyers tied it late. Oh, man. What a horrible what a giveaway by Matheson. What a gut punch. And this game had really opened up in the third here, and it was just looking like yeah, it. Yeah, it was, oh, it was a really bad. Man. I don't know if he didn't get enough of the clear or it just rolled off the stick. It was not a good giveaway. You by, could feel it coming. Matheson. The Flyers were buzzing. The Penguins had a few chances to put it away. Well, themselves. they had to kill that penalty by, by Brock McGinn. He, the puck was up in the air, and he tried to like high stick it, and then he caught, he caught him over the Flyers. A lot of Flyer fans in the building. Oh, yeah. Matheson just fanned on it. That sucks. Yeah. It wasn't really it wasn't a bad decision he fanned on and he knew oh, it. Oh yeah. He, he looked to the heavens. Having so, seen the replay, you kind of see the replay, I see it now. It's no excuse for it, but it wasn't a bad decision. It was a bad break where he fanned on it. Maybe bad ice, but let's He's get that, the extra that, that Lawton scored. Yeah. yeah, let's get the extra point in overtime. You hate to give a loser point to the Flyers in your division, but we gotta make sure we get that we win this in OT. Let's get to OT and get Still a two point. and a half minutes here. Yeah. The Penguins have lost three in a row at home, you know, with all the injuries and, and COVID lists. We gotta just get get a point here. But um Oh, this doesn't look good, Frankie. They're just they're just right back at it now. Yeah, uh, you're you're ahead of me, so you're gonna probably see it first. I should have made <laughs> you, you probably saw my reaction and then saw the goal. So you probably uh, I was in my baseball talk. I didn't see it, but yeah, I'll I, get back on the tracks, Bronson. Uh, before <laughs> Good, keep um, going. World Series, yeah. I mean, I I've kind of said my piece with it. Um, that that's that's basically my 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 analyst analysis of it, where. It came down to bullpens. Uh, Snicker really managed it well. Clutch hits, clutch home runs. Um, and some of the Houston stars not showing up, Bronson. Alex Bregman, Jordan Alvarez combined. I, th- I think they were like, you know, four for 40-something. Um, not a- not enough from them two stars. And, um, yeah, an- another great World Series in the books. Um, congrats to the Atlanta Braves. I was rooting for the Braves. Um you know, all the Houston cheating scandal. I didn't want to see them win another ring. So the Braves, interesting, Bronson, only won 88 games in the regular season. They were in that. Yeah, they kept bringing that up. Yeah, they, they were in that NL. In. They were in the NL least, like we call the <laughs> NL least. It was kind of, it was one of the worst divisions in baseball. And they, you know, they got in winning it and they only had 88 wins. I think they were the one of the worst, lowest win totals to ever win the World Series. They um, I think they might have been the lowest win total in the playoffs this year. Even the wild card teams were were better than the Braves. As, so as the as the old big boy says, Mary Lemieux, all I gotta do is get in. Anything can happen once you get in. Right. And Tomlin says it too. Just make the tournament. And you make never the know. Tournament. But, uh, I thought it was cool too. I mean, I don't know. Call me a you know a, a, a nerd for nostalgia, but it was cool that John Smoltz got the call that win. You know, he was a former Brave himself. Yeah. He spent mostly all of his career, exception a couple of years there in Atlanta. You can even tell he was kind of he had a little bit of a gleam in his eye, you know. See, I saw it. Yeah, he looked like a proud papa. Yeah, so that was he. He stayed really unbiased because he's a professional. No, no, yeah, he, no, not but, to take anything away. He was definitely yeah. unbiased. But, but, you what, but at the he, end, he got that. He got to kind of have a moment. Yeah, with with uh, with Buck. Yeah, and I thought the great thing that he brought up, and then actually to kind of take the thunder, you brought it up as soon as we started coverage. Is one thing he said. The one thing he wanted to emphasize was it was just great to have the fans and and then mm-hmm. in, the, in the stadium. Yeah, it was like the change, you know, other than last year. So, no, Frank, I mean, I have really nothing more to add on to that. I mean, 
it was great to watch that clinching game and and you know like I said the Braves got out so much in front that I was like okay now it's like you kind of you can kind of let it marinate mentally and you know yeah and, and, and let them enjoy it and like I said Freddie Freeman had like a permanent smile after and he showed up <laughs> uh when they when they finally clinched uh, the World Series what they always made me laugh is when he catches the ball every time the every time there's always a throw to first that ends the World Series and it always usually happens like when the Dodgers well I think that I always remember remember the controversy when the Red Sox broke the curse about the the ball yeah Doug Mankiewicz. Mankiewicz caught the ball. He put it in his pocket. He put it in his he pocket. Put, he put it in his pocket or something. Whatever. Yeah. I think he still has it. I think the Red Sox in the Hall of Fame like won it, but I think Mankiewicz, I heard him saying that he kept it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it wasn't like he had to give it back, right? right. He, he can make that Tom Brady deal now or something. <laughs> Who knows? But, no, but, um, but no, Frank, uh, it was a very entertaining World Series. And I think it was cool because – the Braves were a team you could cheer for. It wasn't like the Dodgers with their multi, you know, it, it seems like their multi-billion dollar payroll against yeah. multi-billion dollar, you know, like the, the, you know, the race is starting to become, you know, more of a yearly contender, but the Braves, even though they are, you know, one of your top, you know, popular teams in baseball, the way they kind of had to get in, you know, their injuries and everything, they kind of limped into the playoffs and then the kind of the run they went on, Frank, um, you know, I feel like everyone was kind of, cheering for them on top of the fact that you have the ultimate, you know, not to steal a wrestling term heel with the villain. Astros. They're the ultimate yeah, heels. They're a villain. And I <laughs> so, get credit, Bronson. I don't know if anybody remembers. I had the Braves going to the world series and losing to the Rays. Um, yeah. So I wanted that Tampa Atlanta series and I got, I got half of it. Right. So and like you said, they, you probably thought that, you know, a guy like Acuna would probably get the world series MVP, but it's <laughs> funny how sports is, man. Mm-hmm. It's funny how sports it isn't be hard for him to have to watch it. And, yeah. not, and same I with mean, Verlander. Justin Verlander wasn't with the team. He was at home watching, like wanting to be able to contribute. Yeah. I mean, with guys like him, you know, and obviously Mormon probably feels a little less like that because he, he had to play in game one, struck some people off. But like, I mean, Ron, you know, Ronald Acuna Jr. still contributed to, you know, to, to the cost because he he played part of the year and obviously if it wasn't for some of his production that led the wins a little bit in the playoffs I mean yeah it's you want you want to be the factor in October and November but I mean it's his World Series ring too I mean it's it's everyone you know one one thing about a team Frank is everyone does their part you know and it's it's the it's the the journey not the destination and yeah and like you said you know even guys that you know even were on teams that were on teams partially get rings I know you always talk about when your your cousin got one when he got yeah. Moved during the the middle of the Diamondbacks run in one, but um, but no, I mean no, I I, I it, it's cool, like I said, and uh, and, it, and I think this team, Frank, there, there's a there's definitely potential for them to go back, and obviously, Aron Lacuni is not going to get progressively worse. He's he's one of the top stars of baseball, and I I think this is only a little speed bump on on the road of his uh, his brilliant career, um, but uh. Kind of to put a knot here on baseball, Frank. Uh, now that it's like we, uh, the hot, uh, the the stove doesn't even get a chance to be cold. Once it's over, the stove just gets hot, and <laughs> a lot of guys are already on their way out or being traded. I know Frank. I I texted Frank the other night when uh, the Phillies announced they were not going to match Andrew McCutcheon or, or we're not going to pick up his option in the deal. So of course, all the Yinzers and all the the Pittsburgh baseball fans are maybe pining for a reunion of Andrew McCutcheon back to Pittsburgh. I'm kind of bearing, you know, kind of teasing the lead there. 
but I know Frank wants to talk about what, what we possibly could be seeing here in December. And that's not too far away, Frank. It's only a few weeks away. We know December is when the, the, real, the, the stove gets at its hottest. So what could we be looking for in December and how teams are going to retool or maybe put themselves in a position to be like the Braves, to be like the Dodgers, to be like the Red Sox, to be like the Astros? Um, what do you see happening here? What, do you, what would you like to have happen? Uh, it's exciting. Yeah, the hot stove season, like you mentioned, is is one of my favorite things. I love looking at the rumors, who's signing where, what trades are going to go down. Always the winter meetings will be in December, and uh, now that COVID's kind of lessening, I think it'll be in person and GMs get together and talk trades. And you know, it always used to be excited when the Pirates were a contender. You thought they that nutting might ante up or they might give Neil Huntington the, some leash to make a trade, but it never never really panned out but i'm excited just to see around baseball who goes where and you know there's a lot of short the shortstop market is going to be huge and the guys are going to get paid carlos correa Corey seager and trevor story talk about three giants at that position um absolutely the yankees are going to be a player for one because just another disappointing year bronson i don't know if you i think i mentioned this on an earlier episode but the this has been the first decade uh, since the eighties that the Yankees didn't win a world series. So, um, they went an entire decade without winning a world series of 2010s. Um, and now it's spilling into 20, 2020, 2011 20, or 2021, but, uh, it's been 12, 13 seasons since the Yankees won it all. So despite their payroll, already being, <laughs> yeah, the Yankees payroll is already astronomical. They're probably going to go over the threshold and pay the luxury tax because they just have to pull out all stops to win. And that might be, you know, where are they weak after getting Gallo and Rizzo and, um, <laughs> and Garrett Cole, they're weak at shortstop because Gliber Torres is more of a second baseman Yeah, and they, they do not have a shortstop. So there's three big ones on the market. I'm hearing from everybody that it's going to be Correa that they want to get. Um, I think he kind of has, I, I think his Latino roots. I think uh, that Harlem is kind of a big Latino area. Um, I think too, well Frank, it, it doesn't matter like, uh, you know, how good or how bad the Yankees have been. It's just that the, 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 What's the word for the pageantry, the history, the pinstripes, no matter if they're a team that battles for the playoffs or battles to be, you know, one of the worst teams in baseball, the pageantry and the, in the, you know, just the history of, of the pinstripes and, and that organization, I think that always will bring teams in or bring free agents to that team. I know. And they're called the evil empire and I shouldn't uh, get excited. Like I shouldn't root for it, but um, I'm always excited to see who the Yankees add because, you know, uh, I want to make the trade in MLB the show and just see how stacked the lineup is. So if they can add a, if they can add a Trevor Story even or a, he's because he's been linked to rumors with the Yankees. So I think they go after Correa or Story. Um, Corey Seager, I have a, an interesting one to throw out there. I I could see him going to Seattle and joining his brother Kyle Seager, who has one year left on his deal there. So maybe, you know, Seattle's a team that tries to make free agent splashes. They've done it with Robinson Cano. That one didn't really work out. Um, Ken Griffey Jr. now a minority owner. So they're going to want to make a splash. Um, Join your brother for for one. And and then maybe they can re-sign his brother to a long-term deal and have the Seagers on the left side of the infield. Or, you know, the Dodgers could ante up and just pay him and and keep him in in L.A. But now with Trey Turner in the fold. As I was going to say. 
And I think he has, I think Trey Turner wasn't a rental. I think he has some years left. So shortstop, they might just say, you know what, Corey Seager, we're letting you walk because we have Trey Turner now. So, or Seager, they could ask him to move to third base because Justin Turner's getting up there. So we'll have to see. Um, Chris Bryant, who has traded from the Cubs to the Giants, hits the free agent market. Where does he go? Um, Freddie Freeman, who mentioned on after the season, he he wants to stay a Brave, and I think they'll find he's yeah. he's a brave he's a Brave through and through. He, they'll find a way to get that done. He he'll take a hometown discount. Uh, Marcus Simeon Bronson, who moved to second base and bet on himself and signed a one year deal in Toronto. Well, he had a MVP like season over 40 homers, 100 RBIs. He might move back to shortstop. Now it's time to cash out. (laughs) He might end up with the Yankees and play shortstop. We'll have to see. Um, So the Padres, you know, they're going to be active again because they had a disappointing year and they've been throwing money at people. They don't necessarily need one of the shortstops, but. Oh, watching the pens here. Bronson's ahead same, of yet. Same. I haven't seen Bronson uh, flip out when he, from from a goal. I think you might be behind me now. Did you pause it? No. Yeah, you're behind me. I oh, because I rewinded it. That's why. Oh, we'll stay. So I wanted, yeah, stay I wanted on to it. see the, uh, the Matheson <laughs> thing. I, I forgot I rewinded it. If you go okay, live, so. just, just hit pause for a second like we normally do, and maybe we'll yeah. link up. <laughs> but uh, but okay. no, the, the you could the free agent Max Scherzer is a free agent, the starting pitcher. Um, yeah. 30, 38 years old. Uh, what's his, what's his value, Frank? I mean, I know he's always been known as. Oh, still, I mean, somewhat. you saw how good he was in the postseason at yeah, 38. Okay. I think he's still going to get a. I think he's still going to get a, a two-year deal worth 40 million. I think he'll make 20 million per. And um, so, is it back in Washington because he loved it there? Is it back with the Dodgers because whenever he came to the Dodgers, he lit them on fire? Um, does he go across town to San Diego because they wanted him at the deadline? That'll be one to watch out for. Um, it's going to be really interesting. There's a lot of good Nick Castellanos in the, in, uh, with the, the Reds. Um, the, does he want to go back to the Reds after a disappointing year? Or does he want to go in the big lights somewhere? Um, so Javi Baez is a free agent. Starling yeah. Marte. Anthony Rizzo actually is. So is, does he go back to the Cubs? Does he go to the Yankees? Um does he go somewhere else? Clayton Kershaw is a free agent. I can't see him anywhere but L.A. with the Dodgers. Yeah. Um, Bronson, another team that we talked about are the Angels. Um, they have to They have to win now. Um, Rendon's got to get healthy. Trout's got to get healthy. And they got to join Otani. And they have to figure out how to they win. get on this level. And I think they need to take whatever money Artie Moreno, the owner, has and throw it. Is that one in, Bronson? I think it's in, Frank. You can see white between the posts. Too. I, mean, I, I agree. I agree. I'm thinking goal. Yeah, there's a, there's right now. If you're not the, the Crystal Tang, just did a wrap around on the Flyers here on Carter Hart here, and now they're looking to see if the puck went in the net. It does go in the net a little bit, and Carter Hart kicks it out. But now they're trying to see if it went completely over the goal line, and uh, they have one decent angle. It does look like there's a little bit of white there. This could end up being a goal. They're looking at it right now. So. Um, Frank was, you know, talking about, you know, where he wants guys to go there. Okay, we're both kind of distracted because we want to see where this call is going to be. I don't have any kind of audio right now, so we're seeing the, the referees are still talking. To the fans Toronto. are getting into it during this uh, deliberation. <laughs> this is awesome. So Crystal Tang is waiting to find out if his goal will count. I think the goal, I don't think they called it a goal, so it has to be conclusive without shoving right. it in one in. But for what it looks like here, Frank, I mean, it looks like it's in, like right there. Like you clearly see the puck disappear in the net. This angle's not going to show it. I don't no, know it's not, it. but I mean, you can tell. 
This one right here is the one right here, Frank. The one yeah. on the back of heart. I definitely think you see it. I don't know. It's a, it's one of those things where it has to be conclusive without a shadow of a doubt that it's in. Right there. Freeze right there. It looks like there's white. Between the post and the net, it looks like there is a little bit, like a little sliver. I yeah, have now, a they in, now they zoomed in on it. There it is. NBC it. <laughs> yeah, they, they still had the rights. <laughs> they're looking at it from all angles. Obviously, they're... Con- uh, that's the, well, I, I predict this is not going to be a goal because it's just not conclusive enough. Oh, well, um, when it's that close, it's not going to, it has to be totally conclusive. If this isn't a goal, Carter Hart just stole one pretty much. Let's see. I don't have the voice. I don't know. I'm just going to go on his, 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 um, they called it. This one oh, wins. Wow. Yeah. Point to the middle of the ice. <laughs> goal. Yeah, the Penguins really win just tang in overtime. I am shocked. A big smile. He's smiling like a butcher's dog. Well, that ankle Chris. there, Frank. You definitely see there's some space between the post and the puck, and, and obviously that that post is as wide as the line. So Crystal Tang's getting razzed by the TV by the boys, <laughs> and a great win by the Penguins. And uh, they kind of not really kind of uh, pulled too many you know stories out of it when we get into it, but. uh Obviously, some COVID has hit the team. We'll go more to detail on that in just a few minutes. But a uh, big gutsy win for the Penguins over the the pesky Flyers. Wish didn't have to give them that point in overtime, yeah. but a win's a win's a win, and they'll take it. So um, that that's one less worrisome thing on our head, Frank. And I kind of go back. You were mentioning uh, um, Scherzer possibly been going across the bay to to San Diego. Yeah. In the, well, in, in, go ahead. ahead. I'm sorry. I, I was gonna say. I was gonna say about. You know, they loaded up so much last year, Frank, because you have, yeah. you know, you have Fernando Tatis Jr. and you have Manny Machado and you wouldn't, you really want to, you, uh, you know, you want to complement the sticks in the lineup with pitching. And, you know, they got, yeah. they went and got Darvish. They went yeah. and got uh, Musgrove. They went and got Snell. Blake Snell, the uh, defending at that time, AL champs, uh, the, the, the Rays. And they really expected there to be a big year, Frank. And they started out hot and just injuries and everything happened and they didn't get there. So you know San Diego's definitely looking to, to kind of load back up again and go get it. Yep. And my back to where I was while we were watching the Pens, it was my it was my last point, and it was the Angels. Um because we want to see Otani do well. We want to see um Otani in the playoffs, Trout in the playoffs, only one time in his career. Um, and it was a first round exit pretty quick. Um they they threw a bunch of money at Rendon. He got hurt. They have zero starting pitching. They started to draft it, but that's years away. Um, and I was saying if Artie Moreno is going to go over that luxury tax and throw as much money as he can, he's got to try to get Scherzer, try to get Robbie Ray. Um, anything you can do, Kevin Gosman's out there. Maybe you revise revitalize a Noah Syndergaard, who's a free agent. Yeah. Um, you just whoever you can sign, you sign and you try to this, throw pit, pitching at this thing because the Angels got to they got to win now. Well, it's even funny because we, remember we did the uh, MLB draft coverage, you know, here on the podcast with you and Barnsley. Mm-hmm. You remember they were in they were in a position to draft a pitcher. They were in a position to draft. Uh, um, oh, uh, Kumar, Kumar Rocker. Kumar, yeah. And and they and they didn't take him. And now hell, they might have a chance to do it next year because Rocker's mm-hmm. going to go back into the draft. So. You know, so I thought maybe that was a chance they could they could really uh, develop the, their next big stud arm in Kumar Rocker, but they went a different direction. Uh, but you, you said, Frank, you know, the Angels really have to get it together here because this team was built. You know, Mike Trott didn't come play for this team. They didn't build this up for him to never make the postseason. And obviously with Shohei Otani, you know, just doing amazing things. 
they have to build on that. Rendon's got to get back into form, you know. So obviously, it's a, uh, it's, 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 you know, kind of get going or you know get out of the way, kind of deal for the Angels, you know. So, um, but no, I, I, it's, it's, it's interesting. You, you have to kind of, you know, as a Pittsburgh fan, you kind of have to live vicariously through some of these teams because you know, you know, Pittsburgh's not a team that does things like this, and. uh do you see maybe, you know, to kind of put this in a Pittsburgh perspective, uh, not that there's any star. I mean, that's kind of it sounds like I'm burying the team, but I mean, other than the, I think the stars they have now are guys they probably don't want to get rid of or they see term and value in. Is there a guy, a big, is there another big money deal they want to get off the books? Or is there, you know, I don't think they're going to get rid of Reynolds. I think they want to keep him. Uh-oh. No, the 2022 Pirates. We talked about this with Barnsey. It's gonna, it's gonna be another just bridge year. It's gonna be kind of waited out for these minor leaguers to um, get another year of seasoning, move up a level. We saw how good Greensboro did, how good Altoona did, how good Indy did. Um, best fourth best minor league system. Some people say best minor league system in baseball. We saw O'Neill Cruz graduate at the end of the year and look good. Um, Nick Gonzalez is ready to go from uh, Greensboro to Altoona. That whole Greensboro team is probably going to go to Altoona. Um, the Altoona team is going to mostly go to Indy, and Indy's going to look a lot different because sometimes uh, AAA has a lot of veteran guys that won't be back. So uh, Henry Davis, the, the number one overall pick, already was was moved up to, to to Greensboro from low A to high A before he got injured with and had to sit out the rest of the year but uh, he'll be fresh and a fresh start and he'll be in Greensboro um, and and possibly moving to Altoona mid-year uh, we all know the Pirates are probably 2023 even 2024 where they think they're going to be good all I hope for is that they do have they just keep Reynolds and Hayes happy um because they, they're still, you know, Hayes for sure is young enough. Reynolds is reaching near 30, but they want Reynolds to be, you know, the the star when they're good around 30 years old. Hayes will be, you know, 26 years old. Um, and some of their young pitching is going to start to come, start start debuting Contreras. Um, and, uh, you know, Keller has to figure it out. We don't know if he ever will. Um, but the Pirates are, you're going to be staring at another hundred loss season, probably in 2022 Bronson, um, at the deadline, hopefully you think maybe we can flip for prospects. Um, a guy like I, maybe if Yoshi Sutsugo comes back, he caught fire at the end of the year. Um, maybe bring him back and, and see if, if somebody will buy him at the deadline. Um, the bullpen, I like David Bednar. He's a young guy that I think they can build around in the pen. Uh, we already flipped Richard Rodriguez. Um, if Chris Stratton's back, maybe he's a guy a team will take at the deadline. He's to kind of revived his career. Um, but no, the roster's going to be thin, Bronson. Uh, you know, guys like Colin Moran and, um, you know, that just don't like, you know, Kevin Newman, Cole Tucker. Uh, these guys are all going to be back and they, you know, they don't really excite anybody. Stallings is a guy that he's very interesting because a lot, he's a gold glove finalist. I really, I'm rooting for him to get the gold glove. These awards will be named in the next couple of weeks. MVP, Cy Young, gold gloves. Uh, the pirates have two finalists, Newman and Stallings because Kevin Newman didn't do it with the bat this year, but did it with the glove. Uh, so, so good luck to them guys. But 
Um, Stallings is a guy that's fair. It's highly debated right now if the Pirates should trade him because he's at his peak. Um, and he's 32, I think. So he's getting up there for a catcher. He would be a big value backup catcher or even starter for a contender because he can frame pitches. He can handle a staff. Um, and if you're a contender in need of a catcher, I would go hard after Stallings. Uh, he's really made a, a nice career for himself after being like Cervelli's backup for a while and not getting to play. Um, I think the Pirates could actually probably get a couple prospects for him and we need pitching. So if we can get a couple young pitchers for Stallings, I'd do it. But here's the caveat. I, I would, I worry because I would love Stallings to be able to mentor Henry Davis, the catcher that they picked number one. And I would love Stallings to be the starter in 23 and 24 for when, for when Davis gets called up and Davis kind of be the backup learn from Stallings. And then in 2024, five, uh, Davis takes over and Stallings retires or stays here and bees the backup, or maybe we flip him at one of those deadlines and he gets a little time with, 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 with Davis. But that's going to be an interesting one to watch is what they do with Stallings. He's the one piece um, there. I don't believe, I think they're going to build around Hayes and Reynolds, but Stallings could be a piece that they try to move and get something for uh, Moran. I think could too a left-handed stick off the bat that could play first third of the outfield. Um, some teams might take him for like 26 man on their bench, um, but we're not going to get a great prospect for him. So yeah. kind of a little bonus pirate talk here. I hope Bucko Barnes tunes yeah. into this episode. Oh, he I, will. Didn't, I didn't expect to go into pirate talk, now, but we'll I be happy. Having... I just want to ask you, and uh, it's funny you mentioned Frank uh, catch is retiring because uh, Buster Posey retired today. I saw that that was breaking news and I didn't, you know, speculated, but I didn't know what happened this soon. And you know, what a great career. And, you know, the, the giants are in good hands because they have a top prospect in Joey Bart, not the Elwood city native, but uh, <laughs> his name is Joey Bart. And they, they actually picked him in the first round a few years ago. And he's, I think he's pretty much ready. They'll go Kurt Casale's there too, to kind of bridge the gap. But, um, what no, a career, right? Three time world champion. Three time world champ. I mean, future Hall of Famer. I mean, his his batting average, I think, over three hundred, I think two, three hundred homers, something in that range. Um, one of the greatest catchers of all time that we saw in this era with with Molina. Um, his, his contemporary, those two are, are legends that you and I, our generation got to watch. Yeah. There are, there are Yogi bear up. There are, uh, you know, our Johnny bench like this, this, you know, we saw Pudge Rodriguez when we were younger, but, um, Mike Piazza, but yeah. it was, it was Molina and Posey for the better part of the last two decades. And, uh, boy, what, what a career. Congrats it's, to him. And, and, and Posey caught to the end, right? He didn't do any position changes. Like, like he Mauer eventually... first. No, he did okay. play some first, but it got him off his feet, maybe 10, 12 games a year. It wasn't a lot. Oh, okay. He, I know like, eventually like Mauer, they, they moved him right. over. Mauer's another one, another name to me. And, uh, and Sal Perez is, is, is boy. He, I think he won the American league home run crown out of the catching position. So yeah, and he has the ability to DH 10 or 12 games a year. And he's played some first uh, being in the American League. But he's another one. But, yeah, that that group of catchers there, really, we're watching some history and some Hall of Famers. And, yeah, congrats on Posey for uh, for a great career. But, Prot, so we're, we're getting a little late here. we got to get into I know. I, apo- I, I apologize. When I get a chance to talk to the Dalai Lama, I have questions. <laughs> and i got, I got to oh, ask man, him. Of so. course, I'm, I can be long-winded about baseball <laughs> for sure. But we have uh, our main topic of the night and our topic of the last few weeks has been the NFL. And we have to uh, get into week eight of the NFL slate. So, 
I need a, a drink and a breather, so I'm going to bring in Bronson to. Oh kinda, man, he's going to have me recap the games here. I hope Bronson has his uh, his web browser with scores up, or I might have to. <laughs> no, I, I can bring it up here in a second. And this is probably good too because I actually watched a bit of the NFL this weekend. Uh, my hockey games got rained out Sunday, Frankie, so I was in front of the television and I uh, had a chance to watch some of these games. I had I had a real keen interest on a few of the games. I was, you know, not to cheat the audience at home, but you know, obviously Frankie and I are big consumers of the NFL red zone. So obviously yep. that's how we consume some of our um our football. So no, Frank, Sunday, uh just a couple games here. Um and just kind of I'm gonna probably enable just run scores off and then kind of what I saw out of the, uh, some of the games I really was paying attention to. Um Carolina Panthers, a 1913 victory over the Falcons. Um Sam Darnold uh, kind of stayed most of the game. So this is kind of, you know, we like to use that term, get right. Uh, this was kind of the get right game that the Panthers needed after going to a little bit of a skid, uh, losing Christian McCaffrey. Darnold hadn't been playing really that great, but uh, also uh, kind of was kind of, you know, other circumstances out of his control that was not, uh, you know, my friend Shane Frum said it great, the best. The Carolina Panthers lead the, N- lead the NFL in receiver drops. So, you know, maybe Darnold hadn't played great football, but then again, his receivers aren't helping him out. So it was a good, it was a good chance to get, get things going in the right direction. I think DJ Moore had a pretty good game as well. Panthers, 1913, win over the Falcons. Buffalo Bills, Frank, they will sweep the Dolphins. If you remember, they played the Dolphins back like week two, I think. Um, uh, so they, they will sweep the Dolphins. And this time this is in Buffalo. 26-11 win for uh, the Bills. Josh Allen doing Josh Allen things, obviously. Um, to a tug of Iowa, uh, uh, in, I don't want to say struggling, but I mean, obviously he's in a, uh, he's not really in a, in a great situation there, Frankie. And, uh, um, at least it was good for, for, uh, for Brian Flores to give, uh, uh two of the, the, the confidence, the confidence of saying he's our starter after all these, uh, Deshaun Watson rumors, um, lasted for the last few weeks but the trade deadline has come and gone frank on tuesday so we do not have to listen he does not have to listen to any deshaun watson rumors anymore um because he can't be traded now since the deadline's passed and obviously the texans will probably revisit that in the offseason possibly so for for better or for worse unless they it makes a, a miraculous call to dan marino out of retirement Tua Tagovailoa will be the, the dolphins quarterback going forward barring injury Frank, uh, the 49ers beat the Bears 33-22. This was a a get-right game for Jimmy G. He kind of get himself back on track. Uh, They go to the Windy City. His home, actually, that's his neck of the woods. He plays his uh, college ball at Eastern Illinois, uh, same place Tony Romo did. So uh, the Chicago boy comes home and gets the big win, uh, the Niners over the Bears. Um, And uh, the Bears are going to be looking to rebound from that loss uh, this upcoming Monday as they play the Pittsburgh Steelers, and which we'll get into in, in, uh, in quite a bit there. Dumb button as I cough. Uh, <laughs> the Bears were kind of who they who we thought they were that game, Bronson. <laughs> yeah, a little, little bit, a little bit of Denny Green coming out there. They are the Bears who who they are who they thought they were, um, and that's why we took the damn field. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, Frank. The Lions' woes continue. They lose forty-four to six. I actually picked uh, the, the Lions, Lions to... in that game. I picked the Lions. Oh, to... Frankie! I thought they were getting off the Schneid. Oh my wow. lord! Good lord Almighty! And 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 uh, and the Eagles. Uh, you know, everyone, everyone, and their their uh, their brother and sister, and mom and dad had a great had a, a balled out against the Lions. And then the Lions were home in that game too, Frank. So the Eagles travel to Detroit and, and, and put a whooping on the Lions. I've been saying it every week, Frank, and before we hit record tonight, 
<laughs> Detroit's only two weeks away to come into Pittsburgh. I don't want that game. The Lions still don't have a win. And it scares me that maybe Pittsburgh could be their first win. So mm-hmm. I hope not, but uh, we'll see what happens there. Um, the Titans and Colts, Frank, this is a game I was really delved into here. This is the one I can give you some uh, some meat, some raw meat on this one. Um, it was kind of a back and forth game throughout most of the game. Obviously, Derrick Henry uh, was hurt this game, Frank. So um, uh, Derrick Henry is going to miss the rest of the year. Obviously, having surgery, a foot injury. Uh, he will be missed for the rest of the year. Uh, the Titans signed Adrian Peterson this week. So the uh, the soon-to-be Hall of Fame career of Adrian Peterson gets another helping hand extension as now he is now a Tennessee Titan. But um, on this game, Frank, um, uh, why is his name uh, Bob, Ryan Tannehill? It was the Ryan Tannehill versus Carson Wentz show. And uh, it was funny, Frank, because uh, the, the Titans were uh, – we're destined to, to uh, go to um, overtime. Well, the Colts actually were marching down to try to get the the go ahead dagger uh, touchdown to uh, to beat the Titans. Carson Wentz was on like a two yard line, and they take the snap. He's back in the end zone, and he's looking to throw the ball. He pump fakes, but the Titans rush comes at him. It was one of the and, ugliest plays in yeah, NFL history. He fears for the safety, so he double pump, he pumps. They cut, they rush him. Throws it with he two hands. Dragged to the ground. <laughs> he switches hands to the yeah. left side, chucks the football up, Frank, and the Titans pick it off and run it for. Only, the guy only has to go like an inch for a pick six, pick six touchdown. This now puts Wentz behind the eight ball, so now he has to come down and march march his troops down the field just to tie the game up. But he yeah. does do it, Frank. They did get a very beneficial. Uh, Pass interference call near the end zone when he 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 threw the ball deep there and uh, I think it was Pittman Jr. that got interfered with. They put it right on the goal line and obviously they were able to tie the game. So it goes to overtime. Frank and uh, a costly interception by Wentz uh, puts the Titans in uh, position and and um, Randy Bullock, a guy who had been kind of on the streets there as a kicker, uh, he steps in and kicks the field goal and uh, the Titans win that in overtime. They win that score 34-31. Um, not the game that Carson Wentz wanted. Um, you got to give Wentz and, and um, Frank Reich credit. Each guy took the blame. Frank said he, he his play calling and, and preparing the team was on him. And Wentz said, no, there's some bad throws. I, sh- I, I should have really uh, protected the ball better, really made better executed, uh, better execution uh, of, the, of the football and the, and the gameplay. Um, and as we, as we speak right now, Frank, the Colts are playing the, uh, the Jets and they're winning 28 to 10 at the start of the third quarter. So this is probably the game the Colts really needed after that uh, heartbreaking loss to the Titans. But that's a division loss, Frank. So that's a tough one for sure. Uh, this would probably be the episode of the week, Frank. Those pesky New York Jets, uh, they host the Cincinnati Bengals, and they come right to the end. They do defeat the Bengals 34-31. Uh, no Justin Will- no, no Zach Wilson. Uh, it was Mike White, uh, the guy who's been bouncing around the league for a few years mm-hmm. here. Uh, gets in there. The Jets had. Uh, he became everybody's darling this week yeah. as like the backup oh, that everybody love, loved. Boomer Gia love him. Um, Big time no, for, for the Steelers there too because that really helped them in the division uh, catch yeah. catch the Bengals a little bit. Yeah, so that that's a, that loss by Cincinnati, uh, mm-hmm. you know, helps the Steelers. And it's like it's like Frank. Every time it's like the like the Roddy Piper saying at wrestling. Every time we think we know the answers, the NFL changes the questions. And we thought we had the Bengals figured out as maybe the best team in, in the uh, AFC North, which they probably still be in terms of record. But they lose to the Jets, and the Jets only two wins this year, Frank, against the Titans and the Bengals, both really good teams there. 
Um, you got to give the credit to the, the guys in New York, you know, they're playing for each other. Um, and Soleil or Salah, or was it, is it Salah or whatever, the coach there? Um, he, he's a guy that the, the players want to play for, and a, a big, a gutty win for the Jets there in, in New York. Um, the Rams and the Texans, Frank, uh, obviously, this was, uh, this this is a lot closer than I thought it was going to be. The only uh, sixteen point swing there for sure, but uh, the Rams win. Obviously, Cooper Cup and 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 uh, Sam Bradford. Uh, I say Bradford. I say Peter Bradford. <laughs> Matt Stafford, <laughs> the, the the third play. Not <laughs> used to be Sam Bradford. Uh, Matthew Stafford connected on all cylinders. Frank, uh, him and Cooper Cup keeping that rapport going there. Um, NFL trade deadline news would follow a couple of days after this game, Frank. Uh, probably something we can get into a little later. We can talk right now if you want to. Uh, the Rams acquiring Von Miller from the Broncos. So the, the rich get richer and the powerful teams become more powerful. Right. We, um, and but that so they will only build upon that that uh, 38 22 win over the Texans. Patriots Chargers, Frank. I admit I didn't really watch much of this game, but a gutty win for the Patriots. It's definitely they go to LA, they go to SoFi Stadium. Belichick and Mac Jones, they, they uh, they show their medals. They, you know, the Chargers are a really good team, and uh, but you know, Bill Belichick, he'll he'll have his say. And uh, that East team going west there, they they survived. San, uh, I almost said San Diego <laughs> survived the LA Chargers. Uh, and I think Hunter Henry might even had a touchdown, so he comes back to bite his former yep. team. Um, there you go. The Seahawks uh, under Geno Smith, uh, you know, no 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 rust, no problem. They they win thirty one to seven. Obviously little bad taste in, in uh, Seattle's mouth after that loss to Pittsburgh. So they come bounce, bounce it back and, and, uh, and get that dub there. Broncos uh, in the Washington football team, 17, 10 there saints and bucks. Frank, this was a huge game. If I told you last week when we did the podcast that, uh, although he technically didn't get the win in stats, but he did come off the bench that uh, Trevor Simeon was going to lead to the, the new Orleans saints past the bucks. You probably would have thought I had been taking some very weird drugs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that's what happens. James Winston leaves the game early uh, reports, and they were confirmed. Uh, torn ACL and some MCL um, damage there as well. Or PCL, maybe have been PCL damage there, Frank. James is going to miss the rest of the year. We thought maybe they go to Taysom Hill as the number one, Frank. But no, Trevor Simeon, former, a former Bronco fame there, steps off the bench there and, and down to the dome, baby. Uh, Tom Brady not having his greatest game. And uh, the New Orleans Saints, with what they, with a, you have to say, shocking considering the situation, but they do have the personnel there, and with Kamara and company. But uh, Trevor Simeon was enough to hold the four together. They beat the Bucks, and then the Sunday night game, uh, Cowboys twenty to sixteen win, which should be highly, you know, underlined by the fact that Dak Prescott was not able to play the game. Uh, Cooper Rush, of all people, and he found the end zone to, to, to Amari Cooper, and they did some stat or like Cooper to uh, Cooper. Cooper to Cooper. Hanging with Mr. Cooper. Hanging with Mr. Cooper. A little shout out to Mark, comedian Mark Curry there. Um, one of my favorite shows too, Frank. And uh, the Cowboys defeat the Vikings 20-16 to 16 on Sunday night. Frank, um, I did not watch any of the Monday night game. I got to apologize to my fans, our fans, and to you. Uh, but the Chiefs did, uh, I guess, squeak out a 20-17 to 17 win over the Giants. I don't know. It's like, I don't know if it's gold member or or fat you know what from Austin Powers or whatever. I feel like someone's went and stolen Patrick Mahomes' mojo or something, but yeah. this is not or maybe as a lot of people have said, Frank, my my friends included, maybe the league has caught up to Patrick Mahomes now. Maybe the yeah. defenses have geared themselves to there. But uh but no Frank, that's the wrap up. Like I said, my takeaways of course was uh I was really into that Jets Bengals game. I was really into the, the Titans Colts game and I was really into the um 
the Bucks Saints game. But I, 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 I got to be honest. I had no idea Trevor Simeon was even still in the league, let alone he comes off the bench and he helps the Saints uh, pull out that win against the defending Super Bowl champs. But Frank, your your takeaways from um, the past week, and uh, and when you're done with that, I did want to talk more about uh, the um, the Von Miller trade. I'll kind of start where you finished in Kansas City, and I watched a little of this game. And what was really interesting was in the pregame, uh, in the pregame show, there was kind of a little bit of a heated debate between uh, Alex Smith and Steve Young. Uh, they had Alex Smith as a guest, uh, you know, who's now retired, and uh, Steve Young said exactly what you just did—that that Patrick's lost his mojo and that he's making bad decisions. You know, it's time to grow up and stop the no look passes and stop the throwing oh, off your back I did not foot see this. and stop, stop throwing across your body and stop trying to throw when you're falling down, take a sack, throw the ball away. It's time to kind of, you know, he was kind of, you know, not rude, but kind of like harsh on him saying like, it's time to grow up and become a veteran quarterback and make smarter decisions. And the league has figured you out and, you know, it's time for you to punch back and start to play a, a calmer game. And Alex Smith was like, I am not pumping the brakes on the most talented quarterback in the league. I'm letting Patrick be Patrick. And there is no way I'm telling him to tone his game down because he's an MVP. And it was getting a little bit heated. I think they were they were jabbing each other. I don't yeah. think it was contentious. And Alex but... Smith mentored Patrick Mahomes for a year. Right. And and then he had the big interview. I think it was on Fox uh, where he sat down and he interviewed Mahomes and it was a great interview. Um, if you get a chance to check it out, watch that. But um, yeah, Google uh, Alex Smith, Patrick Mahomes interview. But um, so, yeah, both both guys made good points, but I see more like I agree more with young. You know, it's Mahomes has to play a smarter game now. And, you know, with the talent that he has. Um, if he does manage the game better, that's, that's, what's going to get them back on track. And a little bit of this wildness, um, is, is starting to hurt Mahomes, and maybe we'll see him start to, to rein it in a little bit, but you know, I, I, don't, I, I kind of want to like debate you on that, but like, I, I, but when you, but then you started to talk more and I was like, I get what you're kind of saying. Like less is more with him. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you don't have to go out and do that stuff. Just let your talent keep things, yeah, show, keep yeah. things simple. I get what you're saying. And I, I think, you know, Patrick Mahomes is such a flashy and flamboyant player in the NFL. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I do agree with you. Especially that one interception. Yeah, a couple of interceptions I definitely saw this year where he was, like, going down to the ground. And he just, like, yeah. chucks it up. And, I mean, I know he thinks there's going to be a guy like Tyreek Hill under that ball. But more he often never than not, wants to now, give up. That's, he's such a competitor. He doesn't want to take a sack or give up on a play. I get it. But. Like, like a young Ben when he's sometimes it gets in your way and it could lead to injury too. <laughs> like when, uh, when Ben used to go out to the sideline, like in a big game and Tom will grab me. He goes, he goes, remember what I told you no more John Wayne. He goes, all right, coach, no more John Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> so that game Bronson. Yeah. I mean, Kansas city sneaking by the giants. We all thought that would be the get right game for them. And they would kind of blow out the giants, but it wasn't the case. They, they get the win, which is big and it keeps them alive. They just, they're trying to stay afloat. Um, another big one. Like we, we talked about this game going in last episode, that buck saints would be huge. And Tom Brady, um, has kind of found uh, they've kind of found a weakness. He can't really win in New Orleans, and uh, no matter who the quarterback is, Breeze, Winston, Simeon, uh, they get a big win there. And, and it was actually Brady's fault that they lost this game. It wasn't you know he threw a pick six yeah. late, and um, that that iced it. So 
Uh, huge. The Saints stunningly five and two, you know, in the post Drew Brees era. And I didn't know this, but they brought in, they brought back Mark Ingram after the uh, the Ravens cut him. Uh, he was. Yeah, uh, I did see that. I did see. He that. was on the couch. He had to take number fourteen because his number wasn't available. Well, his number. A rookie wanted to give him 22, but the NFL wouldn't allow it because he, uh, it has to be in the off season. So, uh, I, which I, which I didn't know. Um, so Ingram looks really weird in a, in a wide receiver number. Um, uh, you would think there would be another single digit available, but I guess not. Uh, that you could wear now. Um, some said he might ask Archie Manning to unretire eight, but that would be kind of a you don't want to ask a Saints legend to do that. But um, that was a big win for the Saints. Um, like you said, the Patriots, a huge win to go into LA. Um, so the Patriots are right alive at four and four Steelers, Patriots, chargers, chiefs, Browns, Broncos, all lumped in there with his four win teams. It's going to be such a tight playoff race coming to the end. The Titans winning in overtime in Indy Bronson, uh, almost gives them the AFC South wrapped up. I mean, boy, you talk about what do they have a, yeah. They already have a three-game lead in the AFC South. They they could run away with it. And that actually puts the Titans to the number one seed in the AFC right now. They would be the bye week um, after that opening day loss to the Arizona Cardinals, which now looks like a good loss. Um, yeah. and, and, and that bad loss to the Jets. But uh, six and two and uh, leading the AFC. If the Colts could have won that game at home, Bronson, they would have been a game back. It was there for them, Frank. They, <sighs> Pardon my French, but they pissed that one away. And, and, and Steve, uh, Stephen A goes on. You see Stephen A on first take. Right. He goes, he's. Yeah, I don't know if I can do a good Stephen A. So folks, you'll find out firsthand. He's. He goes there. Whoever he was disputing. He's. I am done with Carson Wentz. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. Well, he's looking good tonight. It's against the Jets, but they're about yeah. to go up. Well, he said he didn't. He did. He wasn't done with this. He didn't like him not because of his talent. He has great talent, but his decision making. Yeah. And I do. There are times where Carson once does make some not very good decisions for sure. And um, and before we get moving on here too, Frank, uh, I I texted you on Tuesday when it happened. That, you know, we're sitting there, and all of a sudden, you know, I have I have Sports Center on at work doing so, you know, doing some work at the desk, and I hear I I don't because I the TV's on the other side of where my where my desk is at, so I don't really quite see the TV. I hear. Vaughn Miller to the Rams. I'm like, okay, I definitely didn't hear that, did I? So I walk over <laughs> to the TV and I see the picture of Vaughn Miller with the Rams like picture there. I'm like, oh, oh my god! Don't have they have the cap room. <laughs> <laughs> so I walked over. So I, I, I happened to go on lunch right around that time. I took my lunch and I and I texted you and I was like, I was like, I was like Vaughn Miller to the Rams. You know, you know, already comparing or already hearing comparisons now to the potential of this defense. Now, you know, the fearsome force on part two, you know, maybe they can resurrect Deacon Jones or something like that. And keep, I mean, what's stopping them? It's insane. And then I hear on talk radio today, you know, like, you know, you know, we're probably going to get into a little bit more later, but, you know, the Browns and Odell Beckham could be headed for a messy divorce there. So it's like, what a, I got like Odell Beckham goes to the Rams. Like, it's like, they can't know, like, have the cap room. I don't know how they had enough <laughs> to get Vaughn Miller, but. Well, if they cut Beckham, he could, he could take a, he, he could take a, a friendly deal or something and slide in there. I don't think he'd go to Tampa, but no, but um, the deadline stuff. Tampa Bay Lightning crap. The, the Rams yeah. are going to start pulling. <laughs> the beauty of doing a podcast at home, by the way, uh, my neighbor's car alarm across the street. So if you hear that, that's where we're, we're listening to. But um, but no, Frank, but it's just like, obviously, there was little deals that happened and guys moved somewhere. But uh, Vaughn Miller to the uh, to the L.A. Rams as the, uh, the earthquake shattering shake machine that uh, that bolstered the NFL. So 
who knows what's going to happen. And uh, they are stocking up. I, th- I think they know, Frank, that the road to the Super Bowl is going to go to Tampa. And I think they're getting ready. I think they're really stocking up. They know that they will have to see Brady in the championship. Yeah. Um, but no, nah, that's that's all I had to, to kind of wrap up that uh, in terms of the NFL news there. Um, I'm going to. Oh, yeah. So I did forget one one game. And I guess this, that would lead us to the, the main event of the evening is a. Uh, Bruce Buffer of the UFC would say, your Pittsburgh Steelers, as Fetco was saying, your Steelers, uh, go to First Energy Stadium in Cleveland to take on the Brannies. And um, it was uh, it was every bit the uh, the bloodbath I thought it would be, Frank. I told you last week, I told you it would not be a high-scoring game. I definitely saw this being a low-scoring, battling kind of game. I don't know if we would necessarily call this a get ready for the series because they had been winning games, but I thought overall, uh, Mark Madden said this, and I agree with him. This was the, one of the first games where I felt that when Ben had time to throw the ball, you had confidence he was going to make a throw somewhere. It was like he, he definitely like he, he kind of it was the game that kind of got the audience more confidence back in Ben. Uh, he finished 22 34, 266, and one touchdown. Uh, Baker Mayfield was 20-31, 225 yards. I don't think Baker Mayfield uh, hurt his team at all, Frank. Uh, but I don't think they got to the running game as much as they would have liked to. Kudos to, as a yonder, kudos to the Steelers' defense, um, especially some big plays from T.J. Watt. Um, uh, I want to say, I'm trying to think, uh, I think this was probably Schobert's best game as a Steeler. I would mm-hmm. I, I would dare say that. Um, Najee Harris. former team, the Browns. Yeah, I forgot he was he in the Browns. motivated, yeah. Yeah, uh, Najee Harris, 26 carries, 91 yards and a touchdown. Deontay Johnson, six catches, 98 yards. Uh, Landry, the Browns' best receiver at a, at a five-catch, uh, 65-yard deal there. But uh, the first half was just an exchange of field goals, Frank. Uh, Chase McLaughlin and then Chris Boswell uh, early into the second quarter. But, Frank, uh, the Steelers um, Steelers going into the half there um, in the red zone, and uh, they're in prime position, at least take a field goal. Frank goes six three into the uh, into the into the locker room at halftime. You know, it's only three point lead, but still, it, it's points. It's a way to get things going, get things cooking, get that momentum going. Um, and surprisingly enough, Frank, uh, they call a fake field goal pass. So Chris Boswell takes the ball and he starts rolling right, and he goes to throw the ball. Meanwhile, at the same time he releases the ball, he gets absolutely pretty much decapitated uh, <laughs> by the Browns, and he's on the sidelines. And, of course, uh, that was it for Chris Boswell. He, we did not see him the rest of the game. He was entered in NFL concussion protocol, and the Steelers were left without a field goal kicker. Um, I know there was talks that uh, Tomlin was going to give Presley Harvin maybe a chance to kick field goals, but uh, yeah. some of the plays that the Steelers went for, Ben uh, – Ben, uh, I don't know if he nixed it, but he uh, enthusiastically convinced Mike Tomlin that maybe these are plays that, that he could take over or do something with. Um, in the third quarter, Frank uh, Dernish Johnson had a 10-yard run uh, to put the Brownies up uh, 10 to three. But uh, Najee Harris, a big jump over the, the the big jump over the pile there to get the touchdown, pull him within one. And obviously, without Boswell, Frank, they were forced to go for two, which they were not able uh, to clinch there. So they're still down by a point. I remember they got it, but they had the holding call on Kendrick Green. Well, yeah, yeah, but uh, a bad yeah, the penalty holding by call, him. But holding they actually called a QB draw with Big Ben, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, which, which, yeah. I, which was a great call. Yeah, we got called back as you said. Uh, what did get called back, and they 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 failed to convert that. And then uh, they went to the the rookie Frank Fryermuth as uh, 
Pat McAfee sees a guy, fry me. Little Yinzer is him on that. A budding star before our eyes. What a what a Booth will take the place of Heath. You yes, said that. I think. They're already doing it. Yeah. Booth. So uh, he gets to pass a big Ben, and they go for the two point conversion play though. But of course, that doesn't make make it either. Uh, so your Pittsburgh Steelers escape from First Energy Stadium with the fifteen to ten win. Frankie, that puts them at four and three on the year. So what seemed to be a desperation, uh, the basement dwellers, they've now kind of got things kind of back on course here. And uh, they will face the tough challenge of the Chicago Bears uh, this upcoming Monday night on ESPN. So um, just kind of, you know, you kind of put, uh, put a few of your uh, little touches on this game. But what what did you come away with? I mean, I know I had Cleveland win in this game. So Frank gets, a, gets one game back on me in our predictor this year. Um but uh, I definitely thought Cleveland was going to win this game. But obviously, when I made that prediction, I didn't know Baker Mayfield's uh, shoulder was going to start to become a problem. And not to mention the fact that they, the Steelers' defense kind of forced Baker to throw the ball maybe a little bit more than he would have liked to. Big kudos to the defense. Um, I don't know if the offense was necessarily great, but it was good when it needed to be. Um, and they, they keep things rolling along, along here, Frank, and just uh, just kind of getting your uh, your thoughts of, of uh, some players and what, what would you like, what you didn't like. Well, it was AFC North football, uh, <laughs> to quote to quote Tomlin. Pretty much, uh, it, it was one of those oh, dirty. Yeah. It was one of those dirty, tough games that you know that they're going to have in the AFC North, and you know Baker Mayfield's left shoulder banged up, so the yeah. the Cleveland offense. Hey, not to wasn't, cut you off, Frank. I, I, yeah. you, see, you did the Tomlin impersonation. So now you you left me an open hole there. Go did you it. see the Steelers mess with Tomlin wearing those USC gloves in the locker room? No, they, I had US, they had USC gloves. I guess someone got them and they were wearing them like the mock Tomlin. Oh, about going to USC, they were they were cho- playing jokes on their coach with the, oh, the Ben or something. They had they had the yeah they had the the the, uh, the brick red and the gold gloves or whatever to mess with Tomlin. So I thought that was That's, that was a bold move. I, I'd be afraid to do that. But uh, no, it was a it was a fun game. Uh, you know the Steelers, despite only you know fifteen ten. No style points there, another Tomlinism, but a win's a win. And, um, I thought the officiating was terrible. A lot of holding calls that you oh know. Oh my gosh! You could you could not you can call holding on every play, and they didn't have to. And a lot of missed roughing the passers. The Boswell play should have been roughing the passer because <laughs> yeah. he's a passer Absolutely. at that point. And they forget that on a on a botch play like that, the refs kind of lose. In the commotion, they lose thought of, you know, he's a thrower, he's a passer. And if he, he was hit way late, you know, that gives the Steelers first and goal and a chance to break it open with a touchdown. So it kind of exposed um, all NFL teams. And I know it's a rare occasion, but especially Tomlin, um, not having a backup kicker plan. You know, usually your punter is your backup kicker. And for some reason, and, you know, I know it's a different kicking style and Nowadays, everybody's so specialized that punters only punt, and that's all they practice all week. But I think it's going to wake some coaches up. You have a week of practice. Your punter can can work on kicks, and he has to be the backup kicker. And, you know, one of their excuses was, well, Harvin's the holder, so nobody can hold. Well, you have to have a backup holder, too, and that should be Mason Rudolph. I, back in the day, I always used to see backup quarterbacks as holders. You know, it would be either the punter or a backup quarterback. Remember Tony Romo famously uh, lost yeah, the game in Seattle game. where he did, they, they um, couldn't hold the ball. But a lot well, of the think, times, think about that too. Think, not to cut ahead. you off, Frank, but uh, it's funny too because like the Colts got they they got uh, kind of spoiled by that because 
they had McAfee all those years. Remember, remember McAfee West Virginia, punted, McAfee yeah. kicked and punted. Right. Yeah. So he was, a rare, he was a rare bird that could do both. But you would think that most punters, it's still a, a foot to ball kind of thing. Yeah. And, and that Harvin could do it. Now, you saw him on kickoffs uh, not look great. One of them went out of bounds. One of them made it to the 10. Um, just I don't know what it is. Uh, maybe they should have tried the old Doug Flutie drop kick with, with, uh, <laughs> so Madden said this with Harvin. But like. <laughs> And I didn't hear Madden say that. That's yeah, you said that. You said they should have tried. But, uh, yeah, going for two is something Tomlin likes anyway. So it's probably they were probably thinking, and with extra points being harder and longer now, um, you know, from thirty-three yards, you know, they probably figured the odds the odds were with going for two, um, but they left you know four points out there by missing two of them. The Kendrick Green penalty cost them, but um, but hard. I was I was worried if it's late in the game and we need a field goal, what are they going to do? Because if it's you know you got to get it within thirty yards, you got to maybe make it a twenty yarder and then pray that Harvin can make it. But luckily, uh, Fryermuth came to the rescue with that juggling catch, the, one of the plays of the year so far, dragging just a barely foot in like Santonio Holmes in the Super Bowl while yeah. juggling it. Everybody was like, "Did he have control?" Perfect way form of falling and rolling over so the ball didn't hit the ground um dragging the second foot i mean awesome play to get them you know the lead and not have to worry about a kicker and then the defense held on you know they forced a turnover i they you know they didn't it didn't lead to points but it took more time off the clock and helped uh, flip field position um tj watt falling on another one uh, as the colts go up 35 10 here bronson blowout city they threw it to is that quentin nelson yeah, they're, no. They're, yeah. Or no, 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 no. It's Danny up. Pinter. They yeah. threw it to an offensive lineman tackle eligible. Hilarious. It's always tackle funny when, when the, Bronson will tell you this is fun when the big boys can get oh, a touchdown. Yeah. I don't know if uh, did uh, Elwood City <laughs> Wolverines ever draw one up for you, Bronson? <laughs> okay, so time out. So yeah, I wasn't very good high school football player, and I and I could have definitely uh, put more dedication towards it. So uh, I think it was like my sophomore or junior year, we played. Ambridge. It was, it was like one of those. They they scheduled it after the year because we weren't good. Yeah. And I remember I got to get in the fourth quarter. I think I might have been a sophomore. I don't know which one it was, but I remember Coach A put me in. I was a tackle eligible or a, a tight end because he just needed <laughs> to stick me in there. Yeah. And he he he, he very and immediately like made up a, a known to me that I was not running a route. I was not going up. <laughs> So yeah, I had one official varsity snap as a tackle eligible tight end. I was sure. the uh, I was the Zach Banner of uh, <laughs> I was the Zach Banner of the Elwood City Football. What a football. fun nugget! But uh, <laughs> oh, Bronson, uh, as I was interrupted what by the one of my very few uh, highlights of my varsity <laughs> football career. That, oh, that in my helmet, that in my helmet to helmet hit my junior year against Darren Rogers. And if that was now the commission, the commission would be throwing, the, putting the check in the locker on that one. <laughs> but it looked good. It looked good on film. Wait, you, you wait, you helmet the helmet of Aaron Rodgers? No, Darren Rodgers. <laughs> Darren <laughs> Rodgers. He ended up playing college, I think, at, at Kent State. He was Quaker oh. Valley. It was our homecoming against Quaker Valley. And uh, he got in there and uh, he did like the option. He like, he did like the fake off. Like, he did the option. As soon as the ball left, I went helmet to helmet and just like, just knocked him completely out. And I remember, like, yeah, I remember, I remember Johnny Stoner giving me a head, giving me like an attaboy, and that was that meant a lot to me as a as a young guy on the team. But uh, yeah, yeah, if that was if that was football now, Frankie, that'd be like I'd be getting getting the check in the mail from the commish. 
Oh, Bronson, and back then, yeah. back then, before all the concussion stuff, that was that was that was okay. <laughs> the so. Steelers, uh, the, uh, without a kicker after Boswell leaving, I was like looking in the stands. I'm like, we need the garbage picking field goal kicking Philadelphia phenomenon to come out of the stands. Or oh something. yeah, that was in the, the Tony Danza movie, right? <laughs> yeah. I I've always looked for that movie. I don't know the name of it. Yeah. So. It's kind of on Disney <laughs> Plus. If, if Disney <laughs> Plus, if that's not on there, that that was a Disney movie. I remember that. I didn't even find out what the name of that movie was. And then, like, hopefully, I doubt they even made it on DVD. But I remember that. He was a garbage guy, and he became the yeah. kicker. I remember that. I had so, to look for that. So, Frank's, but, Frank's uh, in, now we, we digress. But we, we got the trains off the tracks again. But um, <laughs> the Steelers pulled out, and they did it with, you know, they, they got enough. They they had sustained drives. Harris, Har- Najee Harris is becoming already in his rookie year, a, a, a workhorse running back. You see the yard totals and the carry totals going up, up, up. He's gotten over 100 yards. He got close this game. He's getting in the end zone. He's a he's a, a nice, rare combo of speed and power. What you want from a first-round pick running back, he's really turning in a, a, a nice rookie campaign. And um, the line is starting to co- get cohesive. We've been saying this every week on this show. They're getting better, getting better. Um, some bad penalties you got to clean up. Kendrick Green, I think, should be out. I don't think he's ready. I think it should be half an hour or another option at center. Um He's a real weak link to that line, but um, the the Steelers just had enough sustained drives and and clock control and defense to to get a big AFC North road win and uh, you know coming out of the bye and um, no it's a good transition you've been mentioning the Bears and our the next the next opponent on the slate is the Bears and it's Monday Night Football Bronson and so it's kind of good with Steelers after a bye week. Now they get kind of another long week where maybe they had an extra day off of practice uh, to kind of to, to heal some of the nagging little injuries. But uh, we're coming back home and we have a, a slate of two home games against the uh, NFC North basement teams. We get the Bears and then the Lions, and it's a good chance for the Steelers to take care of business and get to six and three and really solidify their playoffs. After one and three, Bronson, you who would have believed it that we have a chance to win five in a row. If they take care of business, don't get the cart before the horse here, but uh, winnable games against the Bears and Lions before they have to go out west and play the Chargers, which I believe is a Sunday night football game. It'll be 5 p.m. Eastern out there, or 5, 5 p.m. local time game out there in, in, in L.A., but uh yeah, the the Bears come in with Justin Fields, Bronson. They they do scare me a little bit. They they've been up and down. They look good. He looks dynamic, um, but they've kind of been win loss, win loss. Um, they're trying to think that they're still alive at three and five, and they got to get hot. And, you know, they're going to come in really needing a win. They want to come steal a game in Pittsburgh. Um, Monday Night Football. I'm thinking the Steelers might go color rush Bronson for the first time this year. I'm kind of hopeful. I know that they planned on wearing them two times. This has got to be one of them. Um, we also, I think, are are, are going to wear the block letter um, throwbacks a couple times. So I don't know when that's going to happen. We're one of the few teams that doesn't do that uniform schedule now that every team has been doing. I kind of, I kind of hate it because I play Madden and I want to get the right one, but. Um, I don't know what's what what they're going to come out in Monday night. The block letter throwback, or maybe the maybe the color rush. They usually save those for the night game, so look out for that. Um, I'm kind of a nerd when it comes to uniform combos. Um, Bears, will they go mono white, or will, will they go white with the blue pants as their normal road look? We'll have to see. Um, I don't know what's the what's the line on this, Bronson. I'm guessing Steelers minus six and a half. Um, Effort. Maybe- 
maybe you can effort that for me uh, while I while I go on here find the line. I bet you it's Steelers six and a half over under forty seven and a half is what I would put that at. Um, with neither team's offense lighting the world on fire would be my guess um, if I was working in Vegas, but uh, might be fifty one and a half something like that. But uh, no, the Steelers are healthy and the line's getting better week to week. I think they're going to put on more of an offensive show than they, than we've seen. Um, I look for Deontay Johnson to get more involved, Ben to, ben to look good. He's under center now. He's play action. Uh, the offense is starting to, the Canada playbook's opening up. We're seeing some some jet sweeps. We're seeing the tight end get involved. Eric Ebron. As of uh, right now, Frank, uh, Steelers six and a half. What's the over under? Uh, over under 39 and a half. Wow. That's a low over under everybody bet the over on that 39 and a half is a low over under that. I mean, you only think you only have to be 21 20 to beat that. Like, yeah, I, yeah. It's, 39 uh, and a half. This is, I was, this was reported by sports illustrated. This was today. I believe if or I no, was, was a, a couple days ago, if I was a betting man, Bronson, I'd be throwing a lot of money on the over there. Um, cause I, I really see the Steelers getting at least 28. And the and the Bears getting fourteen. It's went but, up to thirty nine uh, now, but still, yeah. yeah, yeah. I I see the Steelers winning something like twenty eight fourteen, um, which I guess is not that much higher over than thirty nine, but um, I I like the offense to break out in this game and the defense to do what they do. Boswell's going to be a key. I hear he's supposed to play. Uh, I don't know how he's doing in the protocol. Did we sign? I think we signed a a, a scrap heap kicker just in case. I forget the name. I saw it come through. Um, it's too bad that Matthew Wright's in Jacksonville. He was our kind of our our backup uh, yeah. last year. But uh, yeah, it's a, shame, so, it's a shame they didn't get Chris Blewett. He's on the he's on Washington now. That's crazy. I know another pit guy in the NFL. That's awesome. Um, but the Steelers, if we don't have a Josh kick, Lambeau, the former Jags kicker, so we brought in Lambeau. Yeah, uh, we so. Well, so at least it, if they find out Boswell can't go, Lambo will get will get the start and we'll be able to kick field goals and extra points. But uh, yeah, but the Bears, I don't think the Bears have enough offensively. We're wide receiver wise, tight end wise, um, running game, and I don't think their defense. Yeah, they have Khalil Mack, but I don't think they're I'll tell gonna... you, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, a guy that well, I wouldn't be shocked uh, gets at least one little duker on the Steelers. The guy who got a touchdown in the last week's game against the 49ers. Did you see who that was? Mm-mm. Jesse James. Oh, I did. I I did see him on the screen and laughed. Um, so yeah, he, he's going he's to have big game. Um, I number eight, another, I think he was like number eighteen or yeah, something like eighteen. That. I expect another big game out of Fryermuth. He's becoming Ben's like um, new play toy. So he's like his favorite toy. And uh, Fryermuth, Ebron's kind of the guy that's been crying about the playing time. I thought we might see him moved with Melvin Ingram at the deadline. It didn't happen. Um, we're seeing it. We saw Zach Gentry uh, actually catch three or four balls and gets f- yeah, four or five targets. Sure Big sure body. And, and these guys can block. Firemuth and Gentry can block. Ebron can't. <laughs> no, uh, no, he can't. <laughs> and Ebron's got the, a case of the drop. So if you can't block and you can't catch the ball, what's your worth? So I thought he might get cut or, or traded here. but uh, And he's being a sourpuss a little bit about it. <laughs> um, but I expect Firemuth to get a touchdown. Deontay Johnson to catch down. Najee Harris to find the end zone and the Steelers to uh, maybe get a defensive score and win 28, 14 against the bears. I think Justin Fields um, has been inconsistent and he's, he's still young and, and has a lot of uh, uh, growing to do. And uh, 
I expect a big Steelers win on uh, on Monday Night Football. It's going to be a fun one. Bronze is going to, you know, you you have the luxury of working a little bit later next Tuesday. Probably a lot of us are going to be rolling into the office a little tired. I luck. I have the luxury of working from home Tuesday morning, so <laughs> I that that's a big deal after a Monday Night game. So I'm happy about that. But um, I think I think we'll be in a good mood no matter how late it is because the Steelers are going to take care of business against the Bears. Well, I hope you're right, man. I hope you're right. I'm I'm peeking in on this Jets game. Uh, Josh Johnson. Blowout is city. It. Yeah, blowout city. Josh Johnson. It's like he's. I don't think these guys always turn up places. Like I didn't know they were still around. Like I told you about Chris Blewett on on the Washington football team. I mean, you guys is find the way back in, and uh, looks like we got garbage time here. But no, Frank. Uh, you you I honestly couldn't have put it any better than what you just did about this this previous game. I mean. I will mention that I don't have the stats in front of me, but I don't think Pittsburgh's beat Chicago in quite a long time. Um, I know they've not done well at Soldier Field, and I, I yeah, I th- and I think the last couple of times they've played the Bears have been on like a Sunday night or Monday night games, and they have not fared well. That was mostly during the Jay Cutler era. I will effort this for you on Football Database. Thank you, <laughs> sir. I know it's been a while since they've beaten the Bears, and um, obviously that Soldier Field game was the one. Obviously the the Al Villanueva, whatever, not stuff we're not going to get into, but, but I know, I know it's been a long time since they've beaten the Bears. I, I I'm kind of buying Frank some time, but um, but no, but uh, so they're doing twenty. Well, you're right. It, they have not beaten the Bears since 2005. Bronson and I were uh, were probably sitting in Kirk Lape's class. It was a yeah. Dece- December 11th, 2005. We were seniors in high school. That was the Super Bowl year. Um, the, yeah, the last time we, we lost, uh, that might've been the, oh, la- the Bettis loss. game. That's when he ran over Urlacher, the snowy right? game of Heinz field. That's the last time they beat Chicago. <laughs> That's crazy. Wow. Uh, now, I mean, we don't play them often, of course, every four no. years because, uh, it, they, they play them every four years and, uh, they, they, the, the, so the bears have won three in a row, um, in, in the series. Yeah. But yeah, that's, that's a really funny, the Erlacher game. You're right. <laughs> yeah, with Bettis ran over Urlacher. The, the the run for the the when they had when that magical run the Steelers did. So yeah, that was the last time Pittsburgh has beaten Chicago because that means they're due, Frankie. They're due, <laughs> and they'll get it Monday. They'll get it, and we all know history has shown that the Steelers defense nothing wets their whistle like a rookie quarterback. But Justin Fields is very he's he's athletic. He's mobile. Uh, so the the discipline the discipline and the athleticism is going to fall on the guys like. Like T.J. Watt and companies, and you know Highsmith and Hayward and all those guys, Devin Bush to to keep this guy contained and uh, and I'm sure you know Devin Bush has seen a little bit of him too playing in the, in the Big Ten. So, um, or yeah, because he yeah, he might I think he might still been around. No, he, he, was he still around? Maybe not. I don't, I don't know, know if they crossed over. Or not. Yeah, maybe not because maybe before uh, Fields went from Georgia to Ohio State, but um, but even so. Um, it's it's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be a dogfight for sure. I feel like I, it's cliche and I say that a lot, but these teams are tough. And uh, if Frankie said take the over in the thirty nine. I'm I'm implied, I'm inclined to agree with Frankie on that. So that's where we go there. So um, kind of long in the tooth here, Frankie. So let's uh, let's move on. Let's move on through the NHL, Frank. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, topic that I love dearly, the, the Penguins. Um, I wanted to uh, be the uh, pardon my French, you know, I'm gonna cuss here, the smart ass and say grand opening, grand closing when it comes to Sidney Crosby. He returns to the, the game against <laughs> the Devils. He does not particularly have a great game, Frank. I would dare say that he uh, 
uh, kind of just getting back in the groove and uh, had a little bit of growing pains in terms of that game against Jersey. Um, uh, some key turnovers. He uh, has the penalty, which probably should have, which definitely should have been a penalty shot. Um, but it is one that was the one that clinched the win for the Devils. I'm trying to get the box score up, and we do right now have it. Um, yeah, Jesper Bratt, Sydney kind of got a stick on a Jesper Bratt there at the end of the tie game, and um, the referees uh, shockingly announced a penalty shot, and Jesper Bratt beat Tristan Jari. That was the go-ahead goal. Penguins will lose to the Devils uh, Saturday at PPG Paints Arena. So it was one game back with Sid, and you know, you're like, okay, you know, he needs to get things together. You know, take a couple of games to get things going. Sure enough, two, three days later, Sid is on the COVID list protocol, and so now Sid will miss more time uh, as he has to quarantine uh, before tonight's game, guys. You know, recording during the Penguins Flyers game, um, Mike Sullivan right before game time also on the COVID protocol list. So uh, former Capitals coach uh, Todd Reardon. Head coach there in Washington now had to take over that role tonight in Pittsburgh. So Todd Reardon gets his first career win as an NHL head coach. Well, as a Penguins NHL head coach. Um, so they get the win against the Flyers tonight. But uh, COVID hitting the team hard. Frankie uh, Brian Dumoulin also on the COVID list. Um, some of the defensemen are on that list as well. I think Pedersen and I want to say who else is. It's Pedersen and someone else. Ruedel. Um Yeah, Ruedel. Thank you. And that led to the call-up of uh, Pierre-Olivier Joseph, so, and he's in the lineup. So the Penguins, uh, I, feel, I feel like every year, you know, they may not win the Stanley Cup, Frank, but I think they are like the, the lifetime champions of the man game's lost crown. Mm-hmm. Uh, so but they, they, they gritted it out tonight against the Flyers, and uh, um, they'll have to wait again for more Sidney Crosby as he will be out for at least for probably the next week or so. Um, some good news on the horizon, Frank. Uh, Gino has been on the ice skating a little bit. Brian Rust is on the ice a little bit. So um, obviously G- we're not going to see Gene until probably end of going into the new year. But, uh, you know, the, the, um, the optimism in me is awesome to see him on the ice doing drills, taking shots. Uh, would love to would love to get G back in the lineup and get him rolling. And Brian Rust getting there as well. Um, um, and just your thoughts on that, Frank, before I want to go into another subject with hockey. Oh, no, it's been a, a fun early season for sure. And um, the Penguins, like the injury bug and the COVID bug has been unfortunate. Um, and I was saying on this show that Penguins need to just tread water, um, stay around 500 while these guys are out. And, you know, it's kind of with the, with the, how competitive the Metro is and how, you know, how competitive the league is overall, you kind of got to be better than than 500. And like right now, I was just looking at the standings and I was um, kind of, Sad to see the Penguins in next to last in the Metro after that three-game skid. You know, they started out so hot. They had adrenaline. They were like, you know, the fourth liners were like had a chip on their shoulder. And, you know, they started 3-0-2. And and then kind of the, the, you know, three-game losing streak where you you couldn't find scoring. It was like, man, this is where the injuries and COVID's rearing his head. And they lose to the... You know, with the the lightning, the flames, and the devils, you said at the terrible penalty shot call that 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 cost him a point and maybe two points against the devils. If we get into a three on three or a shootout, um, you need to have a clear breakaway to get a penalty shot. And uh, he only had the puck for about five feet, and Crosby's leg was like in between his leg, so there was never separation. 
It yeah. was only a it was only a breakaway for five feet. I mean, you normally have to be from the blue line in and like really be on the breakaway to get a penalty shot. It was a joke of a call. Crosby let him know it. He was really yapping. Oh yeah. Um and the penalty shot goes in and on a great move. Yeah, he really did uh, undress Jari. And at that point there was like three minutes left. The the wind was out of their sails and they were done. And uh that was that was the one I didn't want to see them lose because the devils are kind of a cellar dweller right now too. And uh, they don't have they don't have Hughes. They've lost yeah. him for quite a bit. So the Penguins, no. uh, yeah, next to last, and they get two points tonight. But it's still they're still in next to last. Now they have games in hand on the Rangers and on the Capitals. But so many teams, a leapfrog Bronson in this Metro. I know it's early. You don't think Columbus is going to stay this good? Maybe Philly doesn't stay this good. Maybe the Rangers don't. Um, but where are the where's the playoff spot going to be for the Penguins with how good Carolina is, how good Washington is? Yeah. Um, how good the Carolina's nine and oh, um, they haven't lost a game. So, and Florida's finally lost one in overtime. They're, they're nine Oh and one. Um, yeah, but, uh, it's going to be such a long haul until we can get at least you got to get rust back soon and you got to get everybody off this COVID list. If we have everybody back, but Malkin by Thanksgiving, that's kind of that benchmark. Everybody talks about the American Thanksgiving because, you know, the, the Canadian Thanksgiving's in October. October. <laughs> yeah, so American Thanksgiving is where you take a snapshot of the standings and see where you're at. And if the Penguins can be in the middle of that metro and have everybody but Malkin back, COVID behind them, rust back by then, they should start being able to stack wins. And it's going to be tough because they had this eight-game homestand uh, the schedule maker kind of a quirk. Um, now they're going to probably play um, a majority of their games on the road for a while and uh, with a few home stands sprinkled in. But uh, the Penguins have got to start stacking wins and getting healthy and um, uh, to stay alive in this thing. And yeah, Malkin, everybody expects around Christmas. You know, he's got to put two months of season before the Olympics to prove to the Penguins and to the Russian Olympic Committee uh, that he's worthy of playing in the Olympics. So he has to prove the knees healthy. And, uh, and, you know, he's chomping at the bit to get back in December. So once everybody's back, maybe the Penguins can go on a run. I don't know how the the cap situation is so darn tight, Bronson. I would love this team to be able to make a splash and 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 like bring back a Phil Kessel. You know, I, I know it's like, oh, you know, I'm I'm such a Yinzer. They're not going to do something like that. Bring back Flurry. I mean, you look at the Coyotes and the Blackhawks. Both between the two teams, they have one win. Um, you would think that maybe we could get the band back together and try to pull off <laughs> trades for trades for this Yinzer. We don't have the cap room. I mean, they can't. They would yeah. have to. They would have to eat cap, which means we would have to tack on picks for a team to to retain cap. And really, we don't need goaltending right now. We'll have to see. I mean, come playoff time is when. You know, do you really want to bring back a flurry now and have a controversy and kind of upset Jari and make him back to a backup? And how do you split the? How do you split the time? Do you do you go fifty fifty and then who 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 becomes a playoff goalie? Um, Flurry's a free agent next summer. If we want to get him back, we can get him back uh, for next year. Um, it would be 
I would still love to see it happen this year and you go 50 50 and, and give Flurry the reins in the playoffs is how I would do it. Um, maybe 60 40 Flurry. This, is, if this we, is probably the time if you want Flurry too, Frank. I know. You like, walked uh, over, yeah, the yeah. Blackhawks have a, a, a crazy situation. You have Flurry can't love being in that kind of hotbed right now of hockey news and they got a new GM, an interim GM. Maybe maybe it's just not working out and they kind of Mike Piazza and flip him something like real quick to a different team but um i i don't know there's just the penguins have no cap room like i said it, it, you know right if we if we could find a taker for Pedersen or zucker um it would free up cap room but i don't know if that's going to happen i i would love that's to, one of those traits you probably have to give up assets to get this contract yeah on. you'd have to tack on some picks or and penguins sadly you know i talked about the pirates having one of the top systems penguins have one of the, the worst systems in all hockey yeah we have a guy in Poulin who you've been critical of, kind of being slow to progress, and Legari and Pustinen, and it's just the prospect pool is thin, especially at defense. Their best um, ones probably probably Lindbergh. Lindbergh's doing big t- things in Wilkesbury. Yeah, right now. they have Lindbergh, and then you look at Blomquist and Klang. We're strong yeah. in, at prospects. We're really weak at defense prospects. Um, having to give up Cam Addison. Um, yeah, so. Boy, Berkey and Hextall are going to have to be wizards at the deadline or earlier if they're going to improve this roster in any way because the cap room's tight. We don't have picks. We don't have prospects. Rutherford emptied the cupboard with both of those. So go to his credit, going for it. He did win two cups, trading away a lot of these picks. But uh, no, Bronson, I'm I'm still excited. I'm, I'm, they're, they're, they're entertaining me every night. They're in games. Um, I think they're going to put together a winning streak as they get they, healthier. Sully has them buy into that system. And uh, right. they seem to kind of divert a little bit from that on Saturday. But with, with Crosby now out with COVID, and I expect them to kind of get back to that. And they kind of did a little bit tonight in that game against Philadelphia. You know, it's always – you mentioned the last game, early last episode – you know, a guy like Evan Rodriguez continues to be their Swiss Army knife moving up and down the lineup. You know, he comes right back in there too, and now he's playing at the top line. And um, no, Frank, as you said, it's just uh, just kind of taking it as it comes. I love watching hockey and just uh, kind of getting the lay of the land here in the NHL. And he's kind of sticking out. And you know, it's always funny. You know, teams we think that they'll do well, they don't. And the good thing, it's always a long season, and and then things will kind of usually kind of usually put them themselves back in perspective. Um, uh, other notes here, Frank in the NHL, I did want to uh, mention a few things here going on in hockey. Um, uh, I, don't, I forget his first name, but the guy that obviously the guy that uh, guy got the guy that got in all the trouble in Chicago, the coach Aldrich. Uh, his name yeah. was exed off the Stanley Cup. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, oh, they announced really? that today. Yeah, he was exed off the Stanley Cup. So um, then people, of course, wanted wanted to extend to Quinville and a lot of other people on the staff and stuff. But I think it it will it will stop with with Alder because he's the one that committed the offense. And I don't think even in the NHL's case they will go that far to x everyone that's been affiliated with this 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 heinous uh, this heinous act uh, um, on that. And that's kind of where I kind of want to keep it stopped right there. Um, another good news in the NHL, Frank. It appears they did not release a date, but it. Appears Carey Price will be leaving the NHL Players Assistance Program very soon and very shortly. Um, they didn't give a date; they just said soon. So he should be on his way to Montreal here sooner, not not later. You know, 
great news for Carey Price, uh, for hockey in general, and for the the um, the Habs organization. He'll be able to jump back in there. Although Jake Allen, I guess, has kind of held the fort there a little bit there in Montreal. So, um, you know, he's he's the kind of guy you want there in that situation. To, you know, the, the the one kind of B, but the backup. So Carey Price will uh, eventually find his way back to Montreal. And you wish nothing but the best for a guy like Carey Price, a solid individual, does so many things for the, the, the community of Montreal and for kids and for charity and always uh, goes above and beyond in that in that platform. A good locker room guy. And obviously we saw what he did uh, during the playoffs last year, pretty much single-handedly carrying Montreal to the, the cup finals uh, against Tampa there. So you, you, you pull for him and hope for him there, and he does well. And last but not least, Frank, we have our first NHL big trade of the year. Um, obviously we've chronicled the, um, the standoff between the Buffalo Sabres uh, Brass and uh, Jack Eichel, their former captain, they took the C from him and um, failed his physical, so he was not on the team. He wasn't really anywhere near the locker room, um, kind of sitting and waiting, not to steal another Jack Johnson, sitting waiting, wishing, you know, where he wants to be there. Um, but uh, banana pancakes, right? Pretending it's the weekend. Do, uh, the Jack Johnson, <laughs> the artist, not the hockey player, but. Uh, they they get they get a little something something done this morning, Frankie, uh, Kevin Adams, the GM of the Sabers. Um, they get a deal done today. They sent Buffalo Sabers, uh, whether well, the Sabers sent Eichel uh, and a 2023 third round pick to the uh, Vegas Golden Knights. They get a first in 2022, a third in 2023. So basically, they swap they swap thirds. Buffalo gets the first. They get Peyton Krebs. And they get Alex Tuck, a guy who's been on a run for Vegas all those years mm. of the cop or whatever. And he's a Buffalonian. Oh, that's you know, a nice he gets, move, to, yeah. he gets to go home. I don't think he's exactly from Buffalo, but he's from Neither. like a suburb outside Buffalo. So Alex Tuck, I'm sure not really happy per se to go to a team that's not nearly as good. He was an expansion draft pick. He was the Minnesota yeah. Wild. You know, <laughs> yeah, he was Minnesota's guy. Then he got he took by the by the Golden Knights in, in the um in the expansion draft. Uh, big cog in the deep playoff runs the Knights have been on the last few years here, Frankie. Uh, but he goes back to Buffalo, and he actually tweeted today too. Uh, Alex Tuck did, you know, he he thanked everyone in Vegas, the ownership, the fans, the organization. Um, he's sad to leave there, but he's excited to go play in Buffalo because he grew up not far from Buffalo and grew up as a kid being a Sabres fan. So hmm, that's good um, to hear because you must you thought most people would be depressed to go from Vegas to yeah. Buffalo. I'm sure he wish he'd be winning more, but I'm sure he'll get you know to put that Sabres jersey on. And well, Buffalo's stop. not far away now. I will say, I, I this yeah. this move helps a ton, and I think Buffalo is not as far away as we think of turning things around. I, and, I'll kind of go through their roster once once you're done. But oh, I'm just gonna say one more, two more things, and you can go off on that. Um, and this isn't really a, a, an instant gratification kind of trade for for Vegas because Eichel is going to have the surgery he's been wanting to have all along, and that will sideline him for at least four months. So now the clock tick is whether we will see Eichel even in a Golden Knights sweater this year. Um, uh, they'll probably make the playoffs, so you'd have to think maybe around April. Uh, you know where there's no salary cap. Where there's no salary cap. <laughs> Ten yeah. million dollar player can just if join he's back. Them, so he's back up the par. Could he? <laughs> could he slide in there for the playoffs? And it's kind of different, Frank, because when a guy like Cooch did that, you know, he had the team camaraderie and the 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 the, the Already, chemistry. Yeah. But then to go in stone cold into it to a to a locker room to kind of get things going, it's going to be tough. It's a wonder if maybe Kellen McCrimmon and those guys don't just maybe say, you know, if it gets towards that gray area, maybe just say, hey, set Shut this one count. out. 
we'll yeah. we'll see in in the fall. But we'll see how this the the back surgery goes for Jack. It's a surgery that has not been performed on an NHL player, and we wish the best for Jack and uh, his new endeavor in Vegas. I'm sure he's happy, and I'm sure. Uh, uh, the Golden Knights are happy to have a, a player of his caliber, so we'll see. Stay tuned on that one. And Frank, yeah, I've always been—I've always said if I wasn't a Penguins fan, I'd be a Sabres fan. I've always loved their dedication. Whether they win and they're one of the worst teams in the league, Frank, they still pack the uh, the the um, Key Bank Center, and they are very uh, committed to the Buffalo Sabres organization. The fans are. Um, I think over the last couple of years, obviously ownership has been questioned. The Pagulas have been put into question about whether, you know, who, what they're invested in or what they, whether they just want the Sabres and the Bills to actually make them better winners or just to add to their portfolio as a. Like Bob Nutting. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know, Frank. Um, yeah, they obviously some guys coming up, obviously. Um, um, they get, I'm trying to think, uh, I always get the the, the two cakes mixed up. They're the ones that have – they have Zegris, right? Or is it the, 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 the other one? No, that's Anaheim. Yeah, I think it was Anaheim. I knew Anaheim and Buffalo is one of the other. Uh, Cousins, Cousins, Cousins. Yeah. Cousins. Yeah. The Cousins only player Cousins. ever born in uh, Yukon territory to be drafted. Yeah. So, so, yeah, Dylan Cousins is on Buffalo and Zegris is on Anaheim. Two guys, two guys that were on the, the Team USA team. I actually watched a little bit of that Wilkes-Barre game last time we were – uh, broadcasting when we went off the air it was still on and I was watching Cam York for uh um it was Adirondack or whatever Lehigh Valley yeah yeah Cam York so it was weird to see him because he's a big uh, guy the Flyers are looking to get a hold of but no Frank go, go hit, hit the roster up brother I'm sure there'll be some names that you triggered yeah so I pulled it up while you were talking just how they how they kind of shape up after the trade and you know one thing that's hampered the Sabres has been these big deals to Skinner and Opozo. And these guys still have a ton of, you know, Skinner has a ton of term left. And Opozo finally is, is, in, is the last year of his deal, but uh, really hasn't worked out in Buffalo. And But boy, Bronson, the, the prospects, this is how you build a team. This is how the Penguins did it in the, in the mid-2000s. Um, it's how the, you know, not to change sports, but it's how the Astros did it. Just drafting Altuve, drafting Correa. I mean, it's just... The, the Sabres have Cousins, who you mentioned. They have Jack Quinn. They have J.J. Paterka. They have Owen Power, who went number one overall. They are going to have Rasmus Dahlin still, who went number one overall. They don't have goaltending Bronson, but maybe they can throw some money at a goaltender here in the offseason or next two. Um, they, you know, now they have an Alex Tuck that they add, which is a guy that has a relatively nice contract for four more years they get a peyton krebs they add a you know they have a casey middlestad a first round pick that um you know he's kind of he hasn't really panned out yet he's yeah. still he's got to put on weight um tage thompson big boy that's got a you know he's got to start uh living up to his potential too and a nice player in victor olofsson um mm-hmm. so and a yoki harhu who's you know former blackhawk player yeah. Henry Yuki Arhu, the Finn. Um, I've always been big on Olsen. Yeah, so Bronson, they have some names here, and they're going to have. How about this? Mu- I'll do you one better. The, the you know they get a first round pick from gold from the Vegas Golden Knights from this pick. They trade um, Ristolainen into Philly and get a first rounder for him. So now they're they're going to start building these picks up. I mean, and a first rounder for Reinhardt from Florida. Yeah. For Florida, so yeah. they have they have three first round picks next year, three second and, round. And picks. their lo- and the lottery, pre- the pick they just got is lottery protected, or the yes. one pick. That, 
Yeah, so yeah. it's like so they're set up well. I mean, you gotta give you gotta give a due to to Kevin Adams, the GM of the another Elwood name, not the Kevin Adams from Elwood. <laughs> yes, City. it is another name. But, uh, but yeah, you gotta give Kevin Adams a, a good deal of that. Obviously, he inherited the uh, the team that was left to him by um, um, Bottrell. Yeah, 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 Jason Bottrell. So he's turned some guys in the first round picks. All those draft picks you mentioned, they're gonna they're gonna add six or seven more prospects to the pool. And like the Pirates, the the Sabers aren't expected to win, and maybe until twenty two, twenty three, twenty four. But um, and by then maybe they they make some big free agent splashes to whatever UFA comes on the board. Maybe they throw some money at because they're gonna have cap room. Um, on the other side of things, Vegas, like you said, Eichel may not play this year. If he does, maybe it'll be around April or May. Um, they are going to have cap struggles. Um, the, now, now, being able to offload Flurry um, really opened up this yeah. move. And they, you know, Martinez and Teodor have really friendly deals oh, there. They're, kind of, they're, they're both underpaid for what they do. They did throw a lot of money at Petrangelo. Um, Robin Leonard is. Five millions actually a pretty good bargain for a goalie. And he's probably pitch. happy he would have a former Saber there, uh, teammate there, yeah. in Vegas. That's the whole. And he was a big guy who uh, backed up Jack Eichel in this whole battle with the team stuff. So I yeah. know uh, Robin Leonard's got to be loving this acquisition for sure. They uh, they are really against the cap now, though. A lot of people maybe have them trying to move Pacioretty. Uh, that's a tough contract to move, and he would be a rental. Um, but uh, they are top heavy. Pacioretty, Eichel, Stone, uh, Marcheseau, Carlson, D- Dadanov. Um, that's all their money right there in the top yeah. six. Their bottom six has Stevenson, Nolan, Patrick, the former second overall pick they got from the Flyers. Yeah. Uh, Nick- Nicholas Waugh, William Carrier, Keegan Colasar. They have some. They have some AHL players in their bottom six because of the cap Bronson. And uh, they have to get scoring from those top two lines. Have to. Um, the defense is great though. With Petrangelo, Martinez, Taylor, yeah. white, white cloud, all in front of Leonard. That top four is really good. White They'll cloud. be back in the mix. I think too. Frank. Yeah. I think, white cloud I think if Colorado big... wants to go on the little run, they will have to go through Vegas again. Oh, for sure. White cloud got a big extension this week. Good for him at a, at a good number at two, uh, I think two, two or three million. Um, and they really insulate Leonard well and play good defensive structure there so uh yeah the vegas is going to be still one of the contenders if they can get eichel back around april may really vault them to you're going back to buffalo though frank you know one thing uh, you might have mentioned i might just not heard you you mentioned a guy like a guy they're not going to have this year owen power they'll probably have him next year so yeah it's like you're going to wait a year to get that number one pick that she's drafted. So it's like, it's, it's like, you know, if you're, if you're a guy betting, you want to buy NHL stock, I can't imagine why you wouldn't put it in a Buffalo right now. And uh, it's not going to return right now, but I mean, the, the table set there, Frank, it's going to be up to Kevin Adams and that's in that front office in Buffalo to, to really uh, hit, hit a home run with these picks and, and get these guys back at, back away from the bottom of the, the seller there, and that's a Yinzer term, right? The seller there in, in, in hockey. And I think another team I think on the ups too, Frank, and I I think you're starting to see it is the Red Wings. I think they're a team that's going to mm-hmm. start to be back on the come Big up. Time. Steve Eisenman's plan is kind of the what the Eisner plan is, as they say right. Detroit. He's starting to kind of come to fruition. He, he, he grew they They've never deviated from what they've always done when Holland was there, which is heavily scout the Scandinavian countries. Um, 
and they've always been pre- big in Sweden and stuff. But you know, you have you have you know, obviously they they've always paid attention to America as well. You know, obviously their captain Dylan Larkin, a, a Michigan boy. Um, and there's some more guy, you know, guys coming up up, up on the on the uh, come up here. I'm actually gonna bring up Detroit's roster because I'm really on this. Uh, and I know it's something that Pittsburgh fans don't want to hear because obviously uh, the, the Red Wings are a little bit of a rival because of the cup, the cup, the Ross, can I jump in? Yes, uh, yes. Whenever you're um, you're looking that up, back to Buffalo having first round picks the next couple of years while they're bad, you figure they might pick in the lottery and pick, you know, maybe get a couple more number one overall picks. What if you yeah. add Shane Wright or Connor Bedard into that mix? Oh my gosh! So a couple of those exceptional status players we talked about um, a couple episodes ago. If they're bad for the next couple of years and pick first overall again, uh, those are the next two number one picks. And then the Russian Matvey Mikov is in the same draft as Bedard. Um, yeah, he is. Some- some team's going to get him second overall, probably, and he's been, you know, so far, another, a lot of stuff can happen, but these guys are looking like can't miss generational players again. So, yeah, but uh, yeah, are you, back to you on the Red Wings. No, they're, but, um, they're up you know, top. well, I mean, I, I mean, I like some of the acquisitions they've done this year, you know, just getting, buying low on guys like Nick Letty, and this is not prospects, but I mean, just guys, buying low on guys like Nick Letty, your, your leadership there. Mark Stahl. Um, yeah, Mark Stahl. Um, and uh, I, I always look at the roster for again. I always forget that they got the, the, the Delkovich. They traded for him. Yeah, your favorite. Huge. Yeah, they traded for him. It's, the Dahl and, uh, Djokovic. <laughs> yeah, he. Uh, it's it's insane for sure. And it's like you, you. It's like you know Stevie Wise kind of getting everything, everybody in order there, and uh, you know that's still going to be a couple years away. Don't get me wrong, but um, I'm actually was going to look for. I said I could bring it up on my roster. I can actually look up the Red Wings on my uh, magazine. As I like, me totally unprofessional looking for the magazine, but they have, um, yeah, I can't find the magazine. But anyway, there was one guy I was looking for. I'm clearly showing my lack of show prep as I get on this soapbox. Uh, the guy I was just reading about the other day. Um, looking up right now. I like Mo Cider. There, Marit. I do like him, but that's not the guy. Was um, Philip Zadina. Zadina is obvious. Um, Joe Valeno. I think it was was it was it was it? I think I want to say it was it was Nielsen. Yeah, Liam Donner Nielsen. He was the guy. Like, another guy that they just pulled from Sweden. I knew I knew he was a yeah. Swedish guy. Another guy they just guys. seen the pool. It, like, like I've been scout. Like, like the Red Wings, like they just always get the Swedish player. I mean, it's, there's nothing wrong with that, and. Uh, uh, Red Savage. That's I feel like that's like a throwback name there for sure. Uh, one guy I always thought w- I wanted to work there in Detroit and never did was Jordan Sandbrook, the guy from the Erie Otters. Obviously showing my homerism there. Um, but uh, and it's funny because uh, in 2017 the, the Wings took a Gus- Gustav Lindstrom. So I'm like, oh my god, he's a defenseman. I was like, what if he ever became good? Like the the, the mix up he would have between Lindstrom and Lindstrom. Um, <laughs> But but um, yeah. I mean, Zadina is the guy I really have a lot of push in there. Um, and yeah, Bednar the goalie there. But looking down the list, but I mean, they're they're, in, they're like Pittsburgh too, Frank. Where they have a lot of goaltending depth in the prospect system as well. And it's like I feel like so many teams have like uh, a lot of goals. Lindstrom's still in the system. The, it takes defensemen a while to get there as well. 
but Nielsen was the guy I was looking at. I knew I knew it sounded like a Joe Valeno. Obviously, is a guy on the system too. Lucas Raymond was another guy I looked from. Another guy, yeah. of course, from Sweden. He's playing on the top line. He's he's putting up big fantasy numbers. Yeah, and then yeah, more side. We already talked about most cider, but um, you know, it's gonna take some time. I mean, it's it. And I'm I'm happy for you know I have friends who are Red Wings fans and I'm you know it, I was kind of one of those people too that I was like you know, maybe it's time for you guys to live on the the other side of the coin there for a while you know being spoiled with all those playoff appearances but right. now but you know and that's just the way it's going to be Frank in a, in a cap era you're going to go through the struggles and the Penguins are going to they're going to go through it sooner before later once Gino and 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 Sid are on the back end so mm-hmm. but no like you said Buffalo's on the come up Detroit's on the come up. Hopefully uh, Anaheim gets on the come up before uh, Johnny Whitehall gets out of there. Give Johnny Gibson. So we'll see what happens from there, Frank. But uh, but no. Um, How about Bo- kinda- Bronson? How about Buffalo? Like already? I mean, it seems like yesterday McDavid Eichel draft um, where the ping pong ball will land. The eerie otter Connor McDavid will you know take the drive up by ninety or whatever to. It was everybody with the Sabres wanted McDavid. It's played. crazy because that's when I was working as an intern mm-hmm. with the team there. Um, and it was crazy to see the fans would bring signs and stuff. And it was insane. I actually have a picture of a couple on my laptop. The tank for McDavid. It was like Connor McDavid in a tank. Right. And it was like I have some <laughs> of the signs. Like I, I asked the fans after some of the games if I could take pictures because someone would yeah. leave them there at the game. And like they were so pumped. And it was funny because when they announced the draft. The winner of the draft, I was still working for, you know, still working with the team. And so you get to ask the same people you see every game. And they were like, they they weren't even like sad. They were like, a worst case scenario, we're going to get Jack Eichel. So how do we, how do we complain? Like we're going to. Right. It was a good draft where you have that rare one and two, like Ovechkin and Malkin or whatever. But uh, some drafts you have a Crosby or a Bobby Ryan, like in your your second place prize is nothing great. But, uh, and and just, it seems like so not that long ago that, you know, we're still getting Eichel. It's a franchise player. He's going to be here for 15, 20 years and be the captain, lead Buffalo to the promised land. And it's just already like five years in. And, he, yeah. you know, somebody, well, they were talking on the radio today, um, how it's just this player empowered era on the fan. And it's just like what James Harden did to the Rockets in basketball, what Deshaun Watson's trying to do, what Aaron Rodgers tried to do, what Jack yeah. Eichel did. And um, just whenever you want out of somewhere, the player can just force his way out now. And it's kind of a, a dangerous I, trend. I mean, yeah, I agree with you on that. But I, I think in this case with Eichel and Buffalo, I feel like Buffalo's front office and entire no, yeah, you're right. Eichel. Well, this one, this one was an outlier. I, I'm, I'm almost on on Eichel's side too, um, with everything that broke with this one. But it is kind of crazy that the franchise. No, I agree with you. Your overall, like, yeah, like it's, it's just seeing. I, you, you figured Eichel would be a, a, a retire a saber, you know, legend there, and it's just crazy to see it already gone. Luckily, they were able to get something back for him. I thought they got less than, you know, because of the injury is why, but. Yeah. The, the the Knights didn't have to give up much. I know Krebs is their yeah. top prospect. They gave up a first-round pick, and Tuck's a nice player. I thought there would have been one more guy in that deal. Well, I know Steve Simmons, the uh, the famous Toronto writer, he said he felt he felt like Buffalo or Buffalo got fleeced. He's like, but what do you but what do you expect in a, in a trade where you basically have to have to trade your star player? Like, what do you expect? You know, it's not like they had they, they had any kind of 
leverage well, with the injury. Yeah, they didn't have leverage because they knew he like they knew he wanted out, and the, the injury factor. If he was healthy and was able to play for the oh, the, that's a different story altogether. Absolutely. If, if Zach Eichel was healthy and could play tomorrow, they would have got a, another player or two for sure. Easily. But Easily. The, the Knights are taking on a lot of risk because something could, you know, God forbid something goes wrong or the surgery doesn't work out. Eichel can't play for another year, another two years or ever again. We hope that's not the case, but the, yeah. the, Knights, the Knights are taking on the risk now. But yeah, uh, probably. Does that wrap up hockey, Bronson? Yeah, or? I mean, yeah, I, that was that was longer than I thought it was going to go. So I know, uh, no, I enjoyed it. Though. I enjoyed it. Two looking hour forward. mark here at 11 o'clock. <laughs> I know. Eastern. I got, I, I mean, I, I started talking about Detroit and I'm like, I went, like, I think it's just because it's late at night and I'm drawing a blank. I'm like, like, I know if I listen to this back tomorrow, I'm like, I'm going to know, like, stop being so stupid. You know, who, you know who Zanina is, you know who Nielsen is, you know, quarterback yourself. you know who Raymond is. Yeah, you know who these guys are. But uh, no, Frank, um, let's just kick it over to the final thoughts. Let's put this baby wrap on this baby. And I will lead off as I've done all night. I'll pull the uh, lead. Um, this weekend, I'm sure when some people are going to be consuming this, they may have already watched the race. But uh, this Sunday, the NASCAR uh, Cup Series uh, wraps its season up at uh, Phoenix uh, Raceway. And um, the championship for us set Frank. Kyle Larson, I think, had this baby clinched up a few weeks ago because he won two races in a row. So he could have, like, went on vacation for a couple weeks, I think. So he'd have been in. So he locked in on with two wins. Um, Chase Elliott on points. Uh, he might have won a race during this next this next run, but uh, Chase Elliott and Kyle Larson were basically like before, like as soon as they took the green flag last week in Martinsville, they were locked in, like they were not going to be knocked out. So then it became a battle for the last two spots, and that was between Denny Hamlin, Martin Truex Jr., all three Penske cars. I think Kozlowski, Logano, Blaney uh, were in that battle, as was another Joe Gibbs racing guy, Kyle Busch, Frank. <clears throat> so a lot of the storylines kind of go into this last week. Um, Brad Keselowski was looking was trying to get in the championship four. This is Brad Keselowski's last year last year with Penske. Frank, he's uh, going to move over to uh, Ra- uh, Roush Racing, Roush Family Racing. Uh, he was promised an ownership stake in the team. That's why he moved over there. So it's a little less of an underperforming team than it was a Penske, but he gets a chance to be an, a part. You know, have you know managerial decisions in this team and has a stake in the team, and that's what he was looking for in the first place. So um, when uh, when the smoke cleared at Martinsville, um, the four ended up being uh, Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott, uh, Denny Hamlin, and Martin Truex Jr. Uh, but uh, having a race like Martinsville, short track, you know, when short tracks happen, Frank, we always come up with some good uh, audio clips uh, of some stuff that happened uh, at, at uh, you know, little hurt feelings. You have that short tracks, you get a little beating and banging. Uh, so, uh, you have that. Uh, and that happened at the last couple laps of Martinsville. Uh, off of turn three, Alex Bowman, driver of the 48 Ally Chevrolet, the guy who took over for Jimmy Johnson, um, kind of got in there a little loose and bumped Denny Hamlin off the track and wrecked him. Um, and Denny Hamlin was fighting for one of the spots, Frank. Uh, um, the damage was bad to Denny's car, but it did not stop him from making the four, the the final four. Uh, but he was not Matt. He was not a... a None too pleased because he was in, he was the leader and was looking for the win. So when Bowman uh, won the race, he was going to do a celebration, and Denny Hamlin parked the car right. Didn't let him do the burnout that he wanted to do, and uh, uh, stuck some fingers up through the mirror, Frank, to let Alex Bowman know that he was number one. Um, and uh, Bowman uh, said he didn't mean to wreck him, and I, I do believe him. I do believe that he didn't mean to wreck him, but obviously a couple years ago, uh, Denny Hamlin took out Chase Elliott when Elliott was a young kid coming up in the Cup Series. 
Um, Hamlin's also been a guy to not really care about if he wrecks a guy to win a race. So uh, that's why Bowman said, you know, he did it to a teammate of mine a couple years ago. So I didn't mean to wreck him, but I don't care that I made him mad. Um, uh, but uh, we had a little bit of an audio clip here. And we'll play Bowman and then we'll go with Hamlin here on the wreck. Uh, Alex Bowman is I met Alex Bowman this summer, Frank, at a, at a dirt, dirt track. So he's a good kid. And uh, I know he did get a little bit of boost for this one. But here's Alex Bowman after the race here. Okay, hold on. Okay, here we go. Why the contact with Denny Hamlin? What happened there? I just got loose in. Um, I got in too deep, knocked him out of the way, and literally let him have the lead back. So for anybody that wants to think that I was trying to crash him, it obviously wasn't the case considering I literally gave up the lead at Martinsville to give it back to him. So um, he's been on the other side of that. He's crashed guys here for wins. I hate doing it. Obviously, it's not... I don't want to crash somebody, and uh, I just got in, got loose underneath them, and spun them out. So, regardless, we get a freaking grandfather clock. So, yeah, <laughs> and Bowman defended it. He said, hey, I have a sp- I have sponsors. I have Chevrolet. I have Ally. They pay me to win races, so I'm going to win ra- try my best to win races. I didn't mean to wreck them, but, you know, considering he's done in the past, I don't feel quite as bad. And then here's Denny Hamlin, Frank. He does say an F-bomb in here, so... Uh, just preparing the audience ahead of time. Just mute your hit your mute button during it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Good. I will do that. What is your take on the contact down there? He's just a hack. He's just an absolute hack. Um, he gets his ass kicked by his teammates every week. It's just he's just terrible, and he sees one opportunity and he, he takes it. But obviously, um, he's got the past car every week and he runs tenth. So. Um, he, he you know, didn't want to race us there. We, we had a good clean race. I moved up as high as I could on the racetrack to give him all the room I could, and he still can't drive. To be <laughs> that close with the day you guys had. So Denny still gets in, but uh, after the race, Frank, it's been kind of the, the Denny show. He's he's kind of been really vocal the last couple of weeks about stuff. Um, he's kind of like kind of went from a fan favorite to kind of not really being liked for kind of being a, a lightning rod of quotes and stuff. He said... Uh, during a press conference, he said that if uh, Kyle Larson's been pretty much running away, you, we've chronicled it all year how well Do- Larson's dominated the series. But Hamlin pretty much said in a conference on Monday that if him or Larson doesn't win the championship, that it's a pretty much a stinking cry and shame, which is kind of a slight to his teammate, Martin Churx Jr., who made them before. I mean, how would you feel as a teammate here, hearing that when he said, you know, right. if you win the championship, you don't deserve it, pretty much. Um, and Bohm and uh, Hamlin also, uh, continue to show his bitterness towards the rising popularity of Chase Elliott, who is the teammate of, of um, Alex Bowman and Kyle Larson. So here's his quote on that. It's, it's just Chase Elliott fans, man. They're just, you know, they're not, they don't, they don't think straightly. <laughs> So he mentions that. So of course they asked Chase Elliott what he thinks about this, and uh, and, uh, and like Hamlin and Ch- Elliott have a little bit of a rivalry, but they haven't really talked a whole lot uh, about that. And uh, let's see if uh, we get the, we get the conference on this. Um, and if I can't find it in the second, Frank, I will paraphrase what he said. But um, uh, but it's 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 pretty much they're really trying to build this up, uh, you know, for the championship. For let's see. 
Um, yeah, I can't find it. So I'll just paraphrase. So they asked Chase later in the conference press conference about what Denny said. And he goes, let me tell you something. I am going to lose all my sleep. You know, paraphrasing. I am going to lose so much sleep because Denny Hamlin <laughs> thinks the way about me. He was being sarcastic. About yeah. It. And he goes, my, he goes, let me tell you something. My fans don't care either. So they're building it up. Um, and to kind of put a wrap on this, Frank, Kyle, Kyle Larson win his first championship. If he's, if he is able to clinch it on Sunday, um, a win gets you a championship. Um, if it, if it would, if it had to go on points, it would go to Larson. He has the most points. I believe the rankings of points are, and I don't have the points in front of me, but it's it's Larson, Elliott, uh, I believe uh, Hamlin and Truex Jr. I'm going to double check that here. But um, usually, and since the the format of the chase, um, no one's really had to win it on on points. Usually, a person's won the race to win the championship. Um, and uh, standings here. Let's see where we're at. I know. I know Larson's a first. Yeah. So the so the it looks like right now it's Larson. It's Larson five. Yeah, it's even up on points right now because I reset the field there. So um, it, it it would finish up with so it's Larson, Elliott, Truex Jr., and Hamlin are the points how they run right now. So if it was running on based on points and finishes, it's whoever finishes better that wins the championship. But Kyle Larson's had the dominant year. Frank, you would figure if he does not win the championship, that would be quite a bit of a, a, a you know a, a crying shame. But Denny Hamlin, Frank, has had many opportunities to win a championship. He's been the championship for a couple times, whether it's been mechanical gremlins or just uh, mistakes on pit road. Um, in the NASCAR community, Denny Hamlin's kind of been labeled a little bit of a choker, Frank. He's been in this position many times and has not pulled it through. And with all the, the, the trash talk that Denny's had the last few weeks, uh, now it's really put up or shut up because if he doesn't right. win Sunday, it's going to be even deeper and probably much worse. Chase Elliott is the defending NASCAR Cup Series champion, so a win on Sunday would give him back-to-back, something that hasn't been done, I believe, since Jim, well, Jimmy Johnson. He did like five in a row. Yeah. And Martin Truex Jr. is a former champion as well, Frank. He didn't win that with Joe Gibbs. He won that with an understarted, understarted team, Furniture Row Racing. So that'd be um, – so Truex, former champion, and Elliott, former champion, and Hamlin and Larson are the two who have not yet to win the championship. Um Phoenix is kind of like a short track, but it races a little bit bigger than that. Obviously, they're playing up the uh, the rivalry between all all the three four drivers. Um, it should be a good one. It's gonna, it's going to go up against the NFL as it does on a Sunday. But I'll have a TV ready. I'm sure there'll be some sparks. There'll be some fireworks. Uh, hopefully, the racing is good. And uh, um, you know, NASCAR has been kind of getting beat up a little bit this year because some races haven't been so entertaining. Um, they took a little bit of a hit when F1 came to America a couple weeks ago and were basically beat at their own game by F1. So uh, they need a big they need a big championship finale race Sunday, Frank. Um, I personally think uh, I want Larson to win, uh, but I think maybe maybe this is Denny Hamlin's time. Maybe this is all falling into place for him. I would not be mad if any of them won the championship, um, but I would love Larson to win. But I if I had to put money on on a person. Um, maybe Hamlin or Chase Light. I'm leaning towards Hamlin, just because I feel like maybe they'll they'll find a way to make it happen. You know, not not that I think NASCAR is kind of like, you know, predetermined, but I, I feel like maybe you know Hamlin's had so many chances that eventually maybe you figure one day he gets it right and and that happens. But should be fun to watch, Frank. Um, and, uh, and if, you know, if anybody maybe you thought who you think might win, I don't I didn't even watch too much this year, but. Anybody maybe you'd like to see win or any, I need to some of the racers, obviously, you know, Denny Hamlin for his PJs and the, <laughs> uh, the, the Domino's commercial, but anybody you'd like to see uh, come out on top, maybe. 
Well, yeah, I couldn't give much analysis of whether who I think will win, but I, I'm with you and I want to see Larson win it. Just from what you've talked about, you've been keeping me updated that he's been the dominant one all year. He's won five plus races. He leads in points. Um, I want to see the guy that's had the most consistency all year get crowned the champion. Um, I was telling you a little bit how golf does it, where yeah, whoever the points leader is in golf kind of gets a a, a ten-stroke cushion in the final tournament in the Tour Championship. They can't <laughs> really do anything like that here and let Larson have like a lap or two lead. Yeah, I love when he said that. Like, um, <laughs> he's getting to start a lap ahead. Or, uh, or, or like in Mario Kart, like give him a good power up or something. If it was <laughs> give him the ra- give him the star of the rainbow, right? <laughs> let him have uh, restrictor plates or the, or something, and the others <laughs> not nitrous oxide or something. Yeah. No, no. that's great. And that's funny you say that because I've always thought that too. They went away from the points purely because Matt Kenseth won the one year with only one win. NASCAR wants to reward consistency. They want to reward consistency, but they want to reward winning. Uh, Winning, as Charlie Sheen would say. Um, So I feel like there could be – I always feel like that maybe there could be a hybrid point system where they both kind of factor in. But it's like – Go ahead. I'm gonna be. I'm interested in seeing what what a race with just four cars looks like because you're used to 43 <laughs> cars starting, uh, or whatnot, and there's only gonna be four guys in this. Or like, is that? Well, no, no, it's it? a full field. It's a full field. Okay. Yeah, but, only... but those are the only four that can win the championship. See, that would have been interesting. They should just have the four guys race. That a wide open course, just the four guys. <laughs> Like you would have to would... do something more because then if they were that spread out, you would just be seeing guys going around in circles. And now Phoenix <laughs> has renovated the track over the last couple of years. It used to be like a typical trioval, but they've changed where the finish line's at and they've had that dog leg. So there's, it's always kind of weird to see how, how racing at Phoenix is. I don't necessarily know if it's my favorite like finale for a track. Um, Homestead, I don't know. I, I feel like they should change it every year, but they yeah. won't because there's a certain niche that you know they plan their you know their year around that. But but no, I mean yeah. So four guys have a chance to win, Frank. Since the inception of the chase, you know how it's in its current format. Nobody, none of the Power Four have ever like nobody outside the Power Four has won a race. So like it, you know like it, and it could happen. Don't get me wrong, but usually the guy who wins the race wins the championship. Uh, I think NASCAR likes it that way. Sometimes I feel like they like those four cars have more horsepower than the other cars. That way, like those four cars can decide it. Um, but no, I mean, you have you have Kyle Larson, who's one the the hottest star in NASCAR. Um, obviously, we've chronicled where he's come from in the last couple of years of what he's went through. Denny Hamlin's the wily veteran. He's 40-41. Probably the best racer in NASCAR, Frank, that never won a championship. Well, Mark Martin would say that is. So Hamlin's kind of that Mark Martin territory or two great race car drivers that never won a championship. Um, Martin Truex Jr. is a guy who's is always in the in the mix every year. And Chase Elliott's the defending champion in the uh, – he's taken Dale Jr.'s crown. Frank is the most popular driver. I'm sure you've seen Chase Elliott in Hooters commercials and Mountain Dew commercials. A young kid, the son of uh, Bill Elliott, who I know you know you mm-hmm. know from the old days of NASCAR. So because of Bill Elliott being one of the most popular drivers in the in the old days, a lot of his fans of, you know, older in age, you know, have moved over to Chase. And he Chase identifies with the young, young crowd as well too. You know, he, he – uh, He's been on like MTV's ridiculousness and stuff. He he keeps himself relevant in, mm-hmm. in pop culture now. Kind of like what Dell Jr. did in the early 2000s yeah. when he he boosted the popularity in NASCAR. Chase Elliott's probably your closest version of Dell Jr. in terms of 
pop, you know, crossover pop culture and and uh, appealing to the young crowd and stuff. So I know a lot of the young folks could be pulling for Chase Elliott and or Kyle Larson. So you know, it should be a fun one, Frank. And I'm sure when we get back together, I'll uh, have a lot more to talk about and how everything ended and how we'll look forward to next year. So I'll turn it over to you. I know what you want to talk about, and uh, um, we'll go through with that. Yeah, Bronson, great segment on NASCAR. As always, you really do an in-depth uh, dive into the racing world, and I know a lot of your fans look forward to it every week. Um, my final thoughts is going to jump back into the NFL and two stories that broke this week um, of kind of a, a, an unfortunate nature. Um, first off with uh, the first-round pick and star receiver for the Las Vegas Raiders, Henry Ruggs III. Um, just a sad situation there and another controversy for the Raiders to have to deal with. Uh, Henry Ruggs was arrested and charged with DUI and um, involvement in the fatal accident um, while out driving, I guess, in the Vegas area. Um, a crash resulting in the other person, the other driver's death. Um, a sad situation you never want to see. Um, legal ramifications for rugs down the road. It's possible, you know, vehicular homicide, manslaughter, you know, obviously not premeditated. Um, but a sad situation with that car accident. Breaking today is that he was very high over the blood alcohol limit with alcohol and he was driving 156 miles per hour. Like a ridiculous, I can't even fathom that. You know, I, we've all can admit to maybe going 90 or 100 um, where you, where you don't think you'll see a cop, you know, for a, for a brief stretch and how fast that feels to, to, yeah, I'm sure he, you know, being a rich football player has a sports car, some type of Lamborghini or something that he was in. He's lucky that he didn't get ma majorly injured in it, but, um, 156 miles per hour just blew my mind. And so the Raiders immediately cut him a first round pick from 2020 that they just, you know, put all their eggs in a basket on saying he's our future star trade Amari Cooper. This guy is going to be an NFL superstar and immediately one year in his NFL career might be over. Um, you remember Dante Stallworth had a similar situation, um, was able to return to the league in a few years after. Um, but uh, not quite sure what's going to happen for rugs going forward. Um, but that was a sad situation to see after the Gruden stuff. And just and the Raiders to still be five and two through all this and and, and fighting for a playoff spot is crazy. We're, we're going to see how that turns out for them this year um, with all of this stuff. Can they can they uh, work battle through it, losing their best offensive player? Boy, he torched the Steelers and sealed that game when they beat us. Um, so that was one thing that broke this week that was unfortunate, Bronson. The second thing and the big, big news that broke yesterday was Aaron Rodgers being put on the COVID protocol list for and, and testing positive for COVID-19. Um, we'll miss the game against Kansas City, a big one. And um, But the, the the big news in this, Bronson, was that he uh, it's come out that he's lied about his vaccination status. And he has been treating and the team has been treating him and he has been um, – conducting himself as a vaccinated player around team facilities and on team flights and um, not masking, um, not wearing the proper wristband where you have the social distance. You know, the NFL did not mandate vaccines, but they did put in protocols for the unvaccinated where they can't be in meeting rooms. They have to wear a special bracelet. They have to social distance. They have to mask. And apparently he lied and said he was vaccinated and didn't do all those things. 
So what we could be looking at is potential fines against the team and um, supplementary discipline to Rodgers. Now, I haven't heard anything in the last few days um, if the NFL and Goodell are considering suspending him. I doubt they will because he's such a superstar. And this is a hot button issue, you know, globally with like, can you force me to get vaccine, blah, blah, blah. But the fact that he lied is what's the big deal. And um, this is going to be a big one to watch, Bronson. He's definitely out against the Chiefs because of the the virus. But uh, will he be permitted to play the week after that um, with a possible suspension? So Jordan Love's going to get the ball. And um, the, the Chiefs are going to hope, you know, they're they're hoping that, man, this is a big break for them as they try to get back into the AFC hunt. Um but uh, that was supposed to be the game of the year, Rodgers versus Mahomes, you know, the State Farm Bowl, you know, it's just Rodgers rate, Mahomes rate, State Farm game, <laughs> the commercial boys. Yeah. And the NFL is really hoping for that, but they won't get it now. It's going to be Jordan Love. But yeah, two big stories in the NFL kind of um, headlines the NFL doesn't want to see. Um, so I just wanted to bring those up and just say how, you know, disappointed I am in both of those guys. You know, I, obviously I'm, I'm not perfect and, and, and whatnot, but I'm just sad to see, uh, the, the, you know, rugs career possibly over, uh, a young kid that made a stupid mistake and, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers kind of with this whole COVID thing and vaccine stuff, it's just cra- crazy to see another, big story surrounding that. So keep your eye on both of those and their status is going on the rest of the, I don't think, I don't think we'll see rugs again. And Rogers, um, is he going to face a fine or a suspension after he's healthy from COVID enough to play? We do wish him, you know, we hope he gets through the virus and everything. Uh, that's first and foremost, but um, yeah, what, what, what the league's going to do as far as the Packers or LaFleur or uh, Rogers as far as suspension. So keep your eye out on that. Um, yeah, tough for me to pick up where you, you left off there, Frank. Um, uh, I'll start with the Rogers thing first because mm-hmm. uh, I plan on getting pretty uh, in depth on the next one. Um, Aaron Rodgers is a football player. Uh, continues to you know he's always dazzling and the, what he's played through and some of the great you know I've I've had the opportunity I've actually seen Aaron Rodgers play live. I've been to games where they played Green Bay and stuff. Mm-hmm. Tremendous football player. Obviously, his stats, you know, defend themselves in the way he plays. Uh, watching him is a thrill. I love watching Aaron Rodgers play mm-hmm. when he's on top of his game. As a person, I can't sit here and tell you that he's a very <laughs> likable person. No. Uh, I like that he went as John yeah. Wick. I'm a Keanu Reeves guy, so I do, I do respect to him going as John Wick. That was kind of cool. But, you know, I've always had this little thing, you know, maybe Bronson's the wrong person to say this because I, I certainly have my quirks. And if you know me personally, you know that I have more than maybe a few quirks. But I always have, a you know, sometimes when you can't explain people, I always kind of, you know, uh, label them as maybe other people do a different breed of cat. Yeah. Um, I've always thought Aaron Rodgers is a different breed of cat. Um right. Uh, some would call him maybe arrogant, self-righteous. I don't know what, you know, I don't know Aaron Rodgers person. I can't va- validate that. I have talked to people who have interviewed Aaron Rodgers. I have talked to people who've, you know, covered Aaron Rodgers. Um, 
but this has all the me and I and I first off like I don't care about what you, you know, I mean I, I appreciate our fans and people who listen but I gotta be honest and I hope this doesn't lose us any followers or fans I could really care less what their opinions are about the vaccine that's not what this is about mm-hmm. in, in in the general sense it's about uh, orders bestowed upon the league team issues team orders like that and quite frankly Aaron Rodgers a lying and BB thinking he's above all this yeah. And then we're in a culture where obviously that that sometimes takes precedence, uh, whether you're you know you're talented enough or not. You know what's that saying? You know, uh, a, a guy a guy got kicked out. Uh, Jimmy Johnson once cut a player in Dallas for falling asleep during a film study, and the guy goes, "What if Troy Aikman fell asleep because I would have given him a pillow?" You know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know the, remember that guy a couple a couple seasons ago got, uh, last year, Frank. That seventh round pick in Seattle got cut for letting a a lady in disguised as a Seahawks team employee, right, right. so that they could have, I guess, a nightcap. I'll, I'll make that <laughs> easy. And uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, people go, "Well, what if it had been Russell Wilson and he was trying to sneak his wife in?" And and the guy goes, well, "I'm sure they probably would have opened the door and let her through, you know, because it's Russell Wilson." Right. The Steelers have gone through this too. Like you know, we would remember when we cut Cedric Wilson, but not yeah. James Harrison for exactly. the same exact like. Yeah. So I do agree with you that I think that probably very minimal will happen, to Aaron Rodgers, because he is the star. But I'm here to th- say that I think that is completely BS, and not because I have it off for Aaron Rodgers. I don't. Like I said, I just I hear that he's just not. He he walks to the beat of his own drummer and he does what he does, like it or not. But I do think there's a little bit of arrogancy in him and he feels that, you know, nothing will come about this. And, you know, he feels like he doesn't have to explain himself. And and maybe so if, if society and the people that cover him and surround themselves around him allow him to do so. But he he violated the rules and I think there should be a punishment on him or the Packers or however the NFL, whatever precedent is, is, it, is set in place. For this to be disciplined, Frank, I don't think he should be above this. And like you said, like the fans are kind of punished because we don't get that Mahomes versus Rogers matchup that we were looking forward to. That was supposed to be America's game of the week, but now not looking too good now. Um, but but yeah, Frank, uh, and I think this is just another thing, you know, Aaron Rodgers wanting out of Green Bay or wanting input and personnel. This is a this is another way for Aaron Rodgers to kind of have his thumbprint over everything. And like I said, I love watching Aaron Rodgers play. I just I just don't necessarily think that if I ever met him in person that we would necessarily be the best of friends. Um but and I'm I'm, I'm sure he's losing sleep over that. But um uh he seems like in some interviews he seems like he's really cool and in others he doesn't seem as cool. Um but but no, Frank. I definitely think that the league should come down with whatever they, whatever the precedence is in place. I don't think they should quote throw the book at Rogers, but whatever the actual punishment is, you know, when the Titans violated it last year and the Ravens did or whatever they have set in place, that's what that's what should happen. Um. So there you go. We'll we'll see what, and I'm sure we'll cover it. And we'll see what happens ahead. Um. As it pertains to the Henry Rugg situation. I've had a few days to think about this and I've seen the talking heads on ESPN and the NFL network and, and FS one or whatever you're, you're trying to, whoever's covering it, you know, it's even, you know, mainstream news. It was on channel 11. It's been on, you know, national news. It's all over. You can't escape it. It's everywhere. And people weighed in. I know, uh, I don't remember who tweeted about it this morning. I was watching Boomer and Gio, one of his teammates, uh, was having his back, um, and it wasn't the Derek Carr thing. He tweeted, he said, yeah, y'all, we made a mistake, things like this, take it easy on them, this, this, and that. 
um, Derek Carr came out and said, you know, I'm here if he needs to talk, someone to talk to. I'm not lying. I really mean it. Like, you know, we should be showing him some love. Someone needs to show him some love. I'm going to do it. I don't care what anybody thinks. I like Derek Carr as a player. And I might even like him more as a person. Because I could sit here, look you dead in your eye, and tell you that Derek Carr is probably a much better person than I am. And maybe it's because I haven't shared a locker room with Henry Ruggs. And maybe it's because I've never met the guy. But I find it even remotely so hard to have even remotely one ounce of compassion for this guy. And I think about things that have been said in the past about athletes. I think of what Colin Coward said uh, on the day that Aaron Hernandez killed himself. He, you know, he, he always brings things to life, Frank. And you think about, you know, how we are born and brought into this world. And, and some people are just given a bad deck to deal with from day one. You grow up in an orphanage. You have a bad family situation. You were born to parents, you know, addicted to drugs or substances or whatever. Sometimes people just fall behind the eight ball in life without any fault of their own, Frank. They've just been dealt a bad hand. And then there are people, Frank, who have had the best things handed to them, who've grown up in privilege. Maybe some of the, maybe in life they've grown up without privilege and went into privilege. Maybe some, maybe the other way around. All I know is that Henry Ruggs is an NFL player who played at Alabama, who had one of the best coaches in college football, Nick Saban. He was dropped in the first round of the NFL and said money, fame, fortune, everything afforded to him. He also has things that you get as an NFL player that, Frank, you and I don't have as civilians. I know you're not a big part of your guy, Frank. I mean, you know, I know maybe in high school we've hung out and done things, you know, you know, mischievous things kids do in high school. You live near Pittsburgh. I know on the occasional night that maybe you and Katie go out for a drink or something. You don't have, you have Uber, you have a Lyft, mm -hmm. but you don't have a service that you can just dial in a number and that person anytime, anywhere can come pick you up and take you home if you're slightly intoxicated. Henry Ruggs had that option. He could afford an Uber. He could afford a Lyft. We can. The, the Raiders probably provide that too. I would well, guess. The, the league provides it. Yeah, the league. He had options. Mm -hmm. He chose the wrong option. And in this whole situation, Frank, and maybe, maybe seeing the picture of the victim and having that come to life, it's kind of maybe tainted my judgment just a bit. I don't think so. Yeah, I know. I was just looking it up too. It's so sad. The only name I can think of in this whole situation is Tina Tanner. Tanner. Yeah, I didn't want to make sure. And her family. Seeing a picture of this beautiful girl, 22 years old, has her whole life in front of her. <laughs> Lived in Vegas all of her life for one of here. Mm. And because the boneheaded, I don't even know if I want to call it a mistake. G Greg Giannotti mentioned it today on the radio, and I, 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 li I liked his analogy. Where people say he made a mistake and Gio said no making a mistake is dropping your cell phone down a sewer <laughs> making a mistake is missing your zoom call at work and going to lunch mm -hmm. what henry ruggs did is a travesty that caused a human life to be lost and a dog too but i know sad
I have no feelings for this guy. And again, I mentioned it earlier. Derek Carr, you are a better person than I ever will be. And I, and I maybe I have to put it in my perspective, Frank, is if my best friend did this, if someone else did this. Yeah. And Mark Davis has uh, said support for him, too. I'm not saying they're bad people if they support him. These are people. No. He's a guy they know. But as a person, I can't I can't listen to this stuff. I can't hear this stuff. And like going back to what I said about what Colin Coward said, this guy had every opportunity in life given to him. And he pissed it away because he wanted to be, you know, he wanted to party and get all, be all that and drive a really fast car. Mm-hmm. And this happened. I personally don't care what happens to him. I don't care. As far as I'm concerned, he should spend the rest of his life in jail. That's what you and I would get if we did that. Yeah. It won't happen. He will plea. I don't know how many years of jail will serve. And he will be back out in society. Right. Maybe it was one bad night. But choices like that have consequences. And I, I just don't care, Frank. I don't I don't want to hear about this mistake or not. Tina Tinner is not going to have another chance at life again. So why should we afford it to him? But then again, I'm not judge, jury, and execution. <laughs> I'm not. I mean, that, that sounds I cheesy. I get it, but I, I, it's going to be in the it's going to be in the legal st- system, and it, it'll it'll be what it is. But you know, it's funny. You know, I, I don't want to say I don't want to compare it to anything else, but I mean, it's really shocking that this this isn't as you know, you know. It, this is unforeseen ground. I mean, we've only dealt with this, what, Aaron Hernandez, Ray Carruth. I'm mm. sure there's other ones I'm forgetting, but. Yeah. Well, like I said, Dante Stallworth, I think. was Dante Stallworth, which he got off scot-free pretty much. Yeah. He was allowed back in the league and everything. And luckily, but, Andy Reid's son, the, the little girl, didn't, you know, perish in that accident. Right. She, she was yeah. she was severely injured, critically injured, but I think she made it. Luck, lucky yeah. for him. Luckily right? for him, right. It's like, yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm wrong in saying this, but I feel like this isn't getting blown up to the proportion of what the magnitude of this guy's, the, the, the terror, what he did, you know, I, I feel like there's some people who would, you know, these are the same people who wanted Mike Vick banned from the league forever for what he did mm-hmm. and not living a life is a life. I get that, but no, I'm sorry. I, I can't, I did the fact that I only mentioned him a couple of times and I feel like he shouldn't even be mentioned. Um, uh, this is the only time I think we'll talk about it. Maybe. We, I mean, I hope we don't have to, I mean, I don't want to give this guy another second of press. I mean, just maybe you can chalk it up to immaturity. I think that's very reckless. I think, you know, we all know what we do, Frank, and this guy did at every opportunity available to him and he pissed it away. And I don't even think it was the alcohol. I think it was just the driving too fast. Because, yeah, he was at point one six, double the legal limit. But I don't think that's a limit that makes you, like, fall over. I don't know if he was fall over drunk driving. I mean, of course, any drunk driving is terrible. Should have been on the wheel, period. Yeah, no. the driving 156 and rear-ending somebody. Like, I mean, he, I think he was driving 150 and came up to, like, a red light with a stopped car. How are you going to stop yourself at 150? Like, just idiotic, reckless driving on top of being intoxicated, which is going to make the sentence... Uh, a lot worse because it involves DUI and um, we will probably see some jail time. But like you said, it's probably not going to be as long as we no. think. 
because he has the money and he has, you know, whatever resources he needs to get a commuted sentence. But uh, tragic tragedy all around. Like you said, you know, we, should, we shouldn't. And, get and, and much- and I'm just going to wrap it up on this, Frank. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, he'll 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 have a much plead down sentence. But there's no true compensation because the tenors will never get that will never get their, their daughter back. I know. That's the only person I'm thinking of right now. The people is is their family. Um, I mean, I don't know how to end this, Frank. It's yeah. it's terrible all around. No, it's my. I guess I get the duties of being the closer tonight because Bronson opened the show, and we'll try to. Yeah, sorry to end it on a on a somber note there, but my final. No, it was it was, it was it was needed, Frank. And was needed. Uh, next, next we week cover... we start off. We'll start off on a on a better note. Hopefully, hopefully we get you know Steelers Penguins wins and whatnot. But I mean, that's life right there. That's not sports. And no, and Bronson, we... you kind of. Um, I didn't know you were so passionate on the subject, and I'm kind of glad I gave you the opportunity to air that out because it's uh, it sounded like you needed to get that off your chest. And it was my final thoughts. I wanted to bring up some of the big NFL off the field news, and that those, those two. Stories were certainly it, and like you said, some unfortunate situations. And um, you know, we're going to get back next week to talking about the X's and O's and what happens on the field, hopefully. And uh, none of this stuff, you know, we don't. No, have and it. you're right, Frank. We we we'd be doing our audience a disservice if we didn't bring it up. Yeah, we're reporting this the news. Kind of things, I mean, yeah. we try yeah. to stay positive. We try to avoid it, but when things dominate the 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 national headlines, they do. And we're not gonna we're not gonna insult your intelligence and sweep it under the rug. We're gonna address it. Um, like like the Chicago situation, as far as I'm concerned, after tonight, after I mentioned a few seconds ago and last week, yeah. yeah, it's put to bed. Um, you know, it's a kind of disrespectful story to say that tonight's things been put to bed, but I don't see a reason other than our our passionate speeches to really ever bring it up again. Um, you just want to get our thoughts and then move on. Um, so, you know, for better or for worse, Frank. Well, that's going to wrap us up. Uh, another episode in the book of the Next Level Nerd Sportscast. I'm going to go ahead and thank uh, my wife, Katie. She'll be putting this together and putting it out there for you. She does a great job every week editing in this and putting putting up with me staying up on some of these late nights. Uh, oh, my gosh. She's going to she's gonna kill you tonight. Are you kidding me? <laughs> right, I know. So oh, I'm sorry, uh, Katie. She'll, that's she'll probably fault. be asleep and I won't get oh. uh, in too much trouble. But uh but no, I uh, thank Justin and Nico, you know, of course, the NLN Next Level Nerds uh, platform that they give us for for doing the sports uh, segment of their of their under their name. Uh, check them out at Facebook.com slash Next Level Nerd, Next Level Nerd.com. Um, you know, check out their movie podcast. They do all the time, uh, every week, I believe. So, um, yeah, hopefully some stuff on the horizon. We uh, maybe we'll have some guests some guests appearing on the shows coming up here soon. We're trying to work, work some of those in and uh, some, some different uh, ways to, for, for you to listen and view us maybe in the future here. So stay tuned for some of that. And we'll try to get back together in a week here um, to, you know, if it doesn't happen next week, we'll get together at least in two weeks and, and go over the, the, what's been going on in the NFL and it'll be baseball off season talk. Like Bronson said, the hot stove, it'll be getting into the thick of the NHL season. We'll be getting close to college football bowl season. We'll talk about the playoff standings. We'll talk about where Pitt uh, ends up after a tough loss to Miami. So they got to bounce back and four games remaining. How can they still maybe win an ACC? They stayed title? ranked. They stayed yeah, ranked. They stayed ranked in the CFP. So uh, we'll see if they can kind of, you know, maybe win their last four 
Um, if they win three out of their last four, it would still be a nine win season, which is what we kind of hoped for. Um, a 10 win season would be gravy and would probably get them in the ACC title game and ranked pretty high. So we'll see how Pitt ends up. We'll be, I, I didn't want to talk about them today because I'm still a little bit upset about the loss. So we'll get in. Hopefully they get a big win against Duke and we can talk about them again. So that'll be some, something big. Bronson brought it up last week. College basketball will be starting, so we'll start to cover that. And Bronson will be bringing you that what happened in that big NASCAR race and and how and who was crowned champion there. So join us again next week if we can do it. Um, thank everybody at Next Level Nerd again. And as as we always like to reach to a farewell, with our good friend Kenny Omega. Um, I say for Bronson Allman, I am Frank Conti. This is the Next Level Nature podcast. And I say as we as we leave you tonight, goodbye, moi, and good night, bang. Hockey. Throw me the baseball. Now toss me the pigskin. Now feed me the rock. Now give me the rock.